like to talk sound. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. With filthy mouths and bad attitudes. Featuring Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Also featuring Parker. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And our special guest, Alex. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Uh... Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Feel. My name is Chris, with me as always is Parker, and we sent Alex on a special mission to the Watergate Hotel. How's it going in there, Alex? (laughs) I'm just trying to not fall in. (laughs) You're doing great. (laughs) All right, well, uh, I'm sure they'll let you out of the bathroom sooner or later. Uh, We watched watched Cruella. If it's there's still one funny thing to say we hello. love, yeah, it is. It's ninja movies. If there's two things we love, it's ninja movies and respecting women and women being strong, powerful creatures that stand up to. Let me check my notes here. Other mean women. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> got it. We here at a uh, real deal no sex appeal would like to issue a formal apology to the founding fathers for the Nineteenth Amendment after watching this one. <laughs> <laughs> I just well, like maybe to. Maybe they were onto something. Maybe they were pretty smart. I, I just like to issue a challenge to everyone here. I respect women more than either one of you. Uh, buddy, yeah, that's fine. Your review grade, and it wasn't five stars, so Ooh. disagree. Uh, wow. Well, it's because this was directed by a man. If a woman had made it, it would have been good. But before we get into Vote that, five, Parker. no matter who. <laughs> Parker. <laughs> Parker, do we have any news? Oh, hey, just another 100-year-old film company getting bought by one of three other companies in existence. Hope you like MGM reboots for the rest of your life. Yeah, that sounds normal. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to see Amazon Prime series about RoboCop and Tomb Raider and Rocky and the Pink Panther and just James (laughs) Bond movies forever? Like, here's my thing, like, the, I always enjoy saying, the broccoli family that owns the James Bond rights. <laughs> it's Wait, really funny real? that, that, oh, absolutely. Correct. That they are so steadfast in, like, Bonds, it can't go straight to streaming, it has to be in a theater, it's a special event. Does anyone in these, like, last three generations give a shit if a Bond movie's in theaters or not? Like, is it still a thing? I've seen most of the newer ones, but like, it doesn't feel like an event to me. I'm looking at the slate of movies, and I'm like, oh, there's a lot of cool stuff coming up. And I guess I'll probably see No Time to Die, or whatever it's called. Like, I don't I know. Mean, they hold it so dearly. It feels like every three years, MGM was like, fuck, guys, we have to get this Bond movie out. We're about to go under. We have to make this money back. And, uh, here we are. I mean, I'm sure we'll get some sort of think piece from someone whose beard is already turning gray if one of these Bond movies goes to streaming before it goes to theaters or something. People lamenting the death of cinema and movies don't exist anymore because they can't see Bond on the big screen with a big tub of popcorn. I don't know. Netflix Uh, was offering them a grillion dollars just for the Bond movie. 
And they kept saying, no, no, no. And then Amazon's like, cool. Give me 97 years of movies so we can... It's cool when you just look at that press release and just see, like, all these decades and decades and decades of movies lists. It's like, can't wait to explore these IPs. It's like, man, everything fucking sucks, huh? <laughs> it's, it's a real bummer when it's just laid out like that. Like, there, yeah. There has to be at least some MGM Ninja movies, though, right? Can't be all. One can always hope. Just, just throw That's in the fair. Prime Library. It's fine. Yeah. I'm looking here. I don't see the word ninja, but I do see barbershop. So you know what? I'll <laughs> there, we'll uh, see how this plays out, folks. Next week's episode. Can't wait for another peak pay at the reboot. Don't assign me the other one. <laughs> All right. Uh, do we have any jerks of the week? <sighs> what kind of question is to... that? Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. Do you want to go first? <laughs> uh, you go ahead. It's fine. Yeah, Parker, go ahead. So once again, we're playing Mario Party, and I'm fucking crushing it. I fucking sweep the first one. We all go in tied with two stars. I get the last star at the very end. I fucking crush it. We go for another game, the full 20 rounds. I am shitting on people. I have six stars. The next highest has four. The food gets here. Everyone's like, oh, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to play. I don't want to get greasy on the controllers. Let's, let's watch a movie. Like, okay, fine. Switch the input. Don't turn it off. Switch the input. And they do. And we start watching a movie. The people start going like, oh, I'm getting tired. Let's go to bed. And they won't declare me winner. Six stars. <laughs> I'm shitting on everyone there. No one is even in my fucking league. And it's like, oh, it doesn't count. Go fuck yourself. Everyone's dead to me. Blocked all their numbers. I will not play with this cowardice. So, I'm a champion. Now, Parker, this is not the first time that you've mentioned Mario Kart. Uh, Nor will it be the last. Party. Mario Party. This is the second time you played Mario Party? I mean, the new Switch one. So you you played it one time, and you're just like, yeah, that was good enough for me to play it again. Like, I wasn't hosting this group of people. I, I mean... Everyone I gave up on playing play. it, and then we just... No one had any suggestions, so me and the other boyfriend in the house just turned on Rush Hour while everyone fell asleep. Now that's how you save an <laughs> evening. I love vibing <laughs> with the dudes. My jerk Rush of the week is so Jun Tao. <laughs> <laughs> My jerk of the week is also Kelsey Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think you get? A Kelsey? What's the line? What's a Chelsea? Okay. <laughs> Fucking playing double A ball while I'm over here hitting grand slams in the big leagues. And then just pretend it doesn't count. Whatever. They wanted 20 turns. They wanted the smoke. It's fine. It's, it's, it's fine. just a game. Not it's, it's not like. Yeah, it's, it's just a game that I won handily <laughs> twice. Uh, Alex, your jerk of the week? Allow me to offer you an anecdote from earlier today. Hell yeah. We're in the car. We're driving to the ocean. You know, nice little two and a half hour drive on our hands. A Billy Joel song comes on the radio. <laughs> we listened for about a minute. She looks at me and says, and this is a direct word for word quote. He sounds like the main character in a Goofy movie. <laughs> I nearly swerve off the road. I look at her and go, who is the main character in a Goofy movie? Yeah, Chris. And she goes, oh, you know, Max's dad. <laughs> that is some extreme psychic damage. <laughs> Can we get... Can you imagine? You just said right. his name. <laughs> can, can you just imagine my dad, Josh, and Alex's girlfriend all in the same room? 
Their brain power together would just (laughs) power the world. We are all second mics on our own show to these other people. (laughs) This is bullshit. Like, I feel bad picking on her most of the time, but not this one. Because what? Not when she says orgy. Max's dad, uh, fucking, is it like Jeff, Steven, I don't... You know him in the Goofy movie. Is it Pluto, the dog? The dad in a Goofy movie. <laughs> I, I like it most of all. He's like, how would you describe him? Well, he's pretty goofy. Um, I would say that's the one word I'd use to describe him. <laughs> She's I watching. Man, this guy is goofy. Uh, it's the guy from Spider-Man, the main character. Fucking uh, James Franco. That's it. Yeah. Got it. Chris, is, is is this a situation you were trying to avoid when you watched an extremely goofy movie by yourself? <laughs> it's preventative it's not like measures. It's not a fucking Disney. Character. Sure, that's been a hundred years worth of cartoon. I guess I'm the only one who should point out that the main character of a Goofy movie is not, in fact, Goofy. It's actually Max, his son, is the main character. So she's double wrong. Uh, which means she's right. Correct. Because we respect I mean, Two was, wrongs made a right on this I mean, podcast, yeah. and we respect it, and women. I was happy to just settle on Billy Joel sounds like Goofy, which was still processing, and then that- went... Wait a minute. <laughs> she wanted you to fucking drown today, dude. She's trying to collect. <laughs> Look out. She's trying to kill you before you even get there. I that's oh, that is an all time jerks of the week segment. Okay. Uh, Gonna think about that for a while. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. That is up there with that guy is unhinged. <laughs> God, if I ever meet her, I'm just gonna short circuit and be like, oh, I don't know if she knows that I know only these things about her. I think the first thing that happened when Alex left me in a room alone with her was that I brought up the Queen's Corgi. So. I'm proud of you. That's a good call. All right. Let's talk about what we watched recently. Chris, so do the, you not have a jerk of the week? Yeah, what the oh, fuck? My, no, John Tao's good enough. Otherwise, it's the orange man. What are we doing? That's fair. I had a good. I had a pretty decent week. You know? I was all right. Must be um, nice. Except for this movie. Uh, the other Alex visited. And I said, you know, they mentioned on the podcast this movie. I, I kind of want to put it on, you know. You made me watch Book Henry. She's like, okay. So we put on Army of the Dead. Let's and fucking go, boys. I cannot emphasize enough, before I go any further, that I have angered many women in my in my life. Like, look at me. But Alex was a new level of pissed off during this movie. She nearly broke my TV twice. Uh, she was very much, shall we say, less than satisfied with this movie. And I didn't hey, like it very much either. TV. But boy, she was pissed. So uh, I'm going to try not to tread over too much ground that you guys already trod over. But there are some things it's I just... hard and so easy. I know. That's the thing. It's... Just do like you know. If I go too much over what you guys said, and like give me a sign. The first I am thing that happy to hear it all a second time. <laughs> okay, then let's let's you. hear it. So <laughs> the first thing that really stands out. Every once in a while, you watch a bad movie. People can say, "Why was it so bad?" You usually jump on the worst thing about it. And that's what I'm going to do here. The worst thing to me about this movie is the way that it was filmed. It's filmed in Blurovision, and it's so obnoxious. I Parker, you've often used the phrase, "I've never seen a movie look this ugly before." I can barely see this movie. It is so fucking blurry. Everything in the background is blurred to, like, 
unbelievable obscurity where the characters in the foreground like i understand there's this depth of field effect and uh it's it's kind of supposed to be that way but i'm not sure it was supposed to be that way i think they were kind of required to do that so you guys know that chris delia was supposed to be in it but then he got me too so they're like okay let's replace him with someone who's not a sex best and they replaced him with tig notaro who's the uh, helicopter pilot um more on her in a bit Every single scene that she's in, she really looks like she's green screened in there. And in fact, I believe that she was. So there's this really crisp uh, outline to her and virtually no one else. (laughs) So while we're watching it, uh, Alex and I were... I think Alex is just like... I I don't know. She was going through the castles before we watched it. She's like, oh, Tigna Tarzan. I really like her. I'm like, okay. And uh, we're watching it. She's like... Not anymore. And she's like... (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. She was quite the opposite, actually. We'll get to that. She was like, now where's Tigna Tara? Where is she? And I'd be like, well... You can't miss her. She's the one who stands out there. She's like a fucking Conan O'Brien sketch from the mid-2000s. Just inserting herself into this movie. How do you look less there than Forrest Gump? (laughs) So I kind of think that maybe that was why it was so blurry in the background. It's like, well, we had to blue screen in an entire character and that would like mess with the background or anything. I I don't know. I've never Uh, worked with a blue screen. Disagree. She spends the entire movie on the fucking roof. But that's no excuse to watch she... a movie through a viewfinder. See, that's the thing, is I was thinking about that. I was like, well, there's some scenes where she's clearly not there, and they don't blur it out. I'm like, oh, they must have blurred out the background for, like, consistency's sake. Because every single scene that she's in, you'd be like, wait, what the fuck? Am I on drugs? What's going on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Love one of my Zack Snyder movies, Consistent. It's my so, absolute yeah. favorite thing. So there's another thing here about this. Uh, read off a piece of trivia that I wrote down. Director Zack Snyder spent a couple of years buying every 1960s era Canon Dream Lens he could find on eBay to give the film a soft, organic look in contrast to the harsh, apocalyptic zombie landscape in the film. He also spent a year before the film collaborating with Red Studios on designing custom-made camera cameras that combine digital camera technology with the Canon Dream Lens. So... He said a soft, organic look. Is that the reason that it looks so blurry in the background? I don't know. It, it sounds like he's like, no, I meant for it to look shitty. But it also says, like, oh, it's going to look beautiful, even though it's harsh and apocalyptic. And this sounds like like a 14-year-old just discovered film, you know? This is... It, which is often the way that Zack Snyder tends to write and speak. You know, the Son of Sun, Night of Night thing, and uh, <laughs> oh, what if they're uh, robot zombies? Which we'll get to in a bit. Uh, I do want to talk about Tignataro here. She actually ended up being our favorite part of the movie. Because uh, we were watching her, we had so much fun being like, hey, hey shh, shh, look, it's Tignataro. It's Tignataro. Like, it's a, like, uh, I Spy book or something like that. Like, oh, can you find the most obvious character? <laughs> so every single time she was every single time she was on screen, it was like a drum solo at a rock. I was like, wait, 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 shh, shh, don't talk during this. Hang on, she's going to say something. Okay, she's done. Oh, so you mean that's when you got up to get another beer? No, this is, this, no, I actually only had one beer left, and she said, no, you don't want to finish that beer during this movie, (laughs) so, uh, Is she the nerve to be mad at you? Okay. No, well, not necessarily at me, I think at, uh, everything. (laughs) I Uh, I knew she liked the movie when I get a text her, hey, did you enjoy it? And then I just saw an update was a voice memo, like, uh oh, well, (laughs) I guess not. (laughs) Uh, Tegno Taro did have, I think, one funny line. She was just like, really? You're going to go through all this time and build a damn model? And you're like, oh yeah, hey, wait a second, she's making fun of the movie too. So I was glad to have a character on our side. Um, 
speaking of characters, boy, a movie with so many characters who are in this movie and are characters, uh, with all this great background and everything, where to uh, begin? <laughs> you know, I'd say with this many characters, there's really only one that I'd really want to see, like in a extended prologue of some sort. It's like a 90-minute <laughs> one that's a feature film later on this year. Yeah, like I'm the one that would hypothetically and not realistically exist. So, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. So, Alex, you get on me for my German accent. Don't ever get on me for my German impression when a character like Dieter exists in a major motion picture. Every single character in Beer Fest has a better German accent than Dieter. <laughs> I, I have to admit, he didn't bother me quite as much as he bothered you guys, but uh, he certainly wasn't a very strong character. And every single time he's in the movie, I'm just like, what are we trying to do here? I think they tried the whole, oh, he's a boy, but he screams with a high-pitched voice. That's they different. Did, yeah. <laughs> I think I was just really mad that it wasn't the McPoyle guy. <laughs> well, no, we don't have McPoyle. Dieter was a fun reminder of every time he's on screen. Because like, they split everyone up. It was like, alright, cool, we're not going to kill any zombies for a while. Like, alright, great, two and a half hours. More now, talking about safes, please. Thanks, I, I want to say that, uh, Alex, you kind of got on me and Parker for defending Zack Snyder for the Snyder Cut. I'm still going to say that I like his direction, but boy, the guy can't write. Because right off the bat, that's the thing that's most egregious about them. That opening scene, which is an incredibly stupid scene, by the way. <laughs> the way the characters are talking to each other is so fucking dumb. The four horsemen. <laughs> yeah. Every single thing that they say is stupid. Also... The metal face mask, they really, they're just not going to share. You can't make more of those. It's not like you have metal all over the fucking place. Hey, which of the 18 drop plot lines did you want to see resolve the most? Oh, well, obviously that forced sentiment between the father and daughter. That was so good. <laughs> Dad, I'm coming with you. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> that was so fucking dumb. That was like one of the worst parts of the movie. They kept coming back to it, too. Like, what the fuck? I love the flashback of him just murking her mother in front of her. Like, damn, no wonder she doesn't trust him. It's like, and then she just goes like, oh yeah, no, I'm not mad at you for that. Great. Oh, 2.15 in. Watched, I watched seven hours of Star Wars this week, and nobody had a name stupider than <coughs> Gita. So, <laughs> oh. you best believe I had the subtitles on. Double E in there. Like, Fuck yourself, man. On, okay, so I want to talk about the zombie tiger. So the zombie tiger is like in the background, right? And it's walking over there. And Alex is like, what is that? Is that a, like a zombie dog or something like that? I'm like, wait, where are they? All right, hold on. Come on it's coming up here. She's like, look at Oh, it's a zombie tiger. Okay, sure. I'm like, wait, hold on. It jumps up on there. And so it's like, yeah, that's one of Siegfried and Roy's tigers. And I'm not kidding. She got up off my bed and almost left. And I told her, no, 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 no. Come on. You can't. I stay. I watched the entire book of Henry. So she. Uh, I think I mentioned that last time, like, still early on in the movie, and one of the first things you see is that tiger, and it's really like, I don't know what I was complaining about. And then the movie just <laughs> and then <laughs> kept going for two more yeah. hours. So, I also want to talk about the music. Now, we're going to get to needle drops in Cruella, but the <laughs> needle drops in... <laughs> you know, at least some of the songs that they played in Cruella were like, okay, every single song in Army of the Dead is fucking terrible dude that cover <laughs> oh it's so good i was so fucking angry it's like you might as well play like a flyleaf cover of frank zappa might as well play Man. a popple moose cover of pink floyd 
<laughs> I was I was down getting a, a drink during a happy hour at the hotel bar earlier, and they had two dudes with acoustic guitars, and they started playing Bad Moon, and I started cracking up and couldn't explain why. <laughs> oh, was, I fucking hated it. Uh, so I want to also talk about that tiger. When, it, when he grabs that one guy and starts, like, killing him by smashing him into that car... That's like the worst CGI I've ever seen for like an like a disconnect between what the physics should be and what we see on screen. Like it, it's <laughs> like Patrick smashing the spider on SpongeBob. <laughs> it looks like fucking Quake too. <laughs> it just had no whatever was happening to that guy had nothing to do with whatever that tiger was doing. Speaking of uh, zombie animals or that zombie horse, which I just think that's really stupid. Person. Get that horse away from me, bruh. <laughs> yeah. Now, I couldn't tell if this was supposed to be funny or if it was unintentionally funny, which, I don't know, it kind of seems like a Zack Snyder thing sometimes. The The visual of that woman holding a gun to a zombie severed head, uh, <laughs> just went out of, I thought that's really funny. Uh, there is a zombie king and a zombie queen, and the zombie <laughs> king is named Zeus, and the zombie <sighs> fetus... Uh, that they have might also be a robot because it has the blue blood. <sighs> yeah. I, uh, Chris, I forgot uh, to message you this, but I was very happy to confirm thank you. that uh, the Zombie King is in fact the same actor as Big Daddy Mars. <laughs> really psyched to find that out in the last, last week. Good, that was what I was hoping. That was a big development yeah. for me personally. Yeah, He's You gotta take the cool. W's where you can get him. You know what's really stupid is like, the, I think you guys brought up like... Yeah, all that, of it. <laughs> You guys brought up, like, the black guy at the beginning. He's holding, like, a buzzsaw. And you're like, oh, I sure would like to use, see him use that buzzsaw on zombies. Well, they bring the buzzsaw, and they only use it for buzzsaw stuff. They actually use just it kidding. on a... <laughs> He's just going to yell at Dieter for being a fucking virgin. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Great. This is fantastic. Yo, what the fuck? Okay, speaking of Dieter, remember when the black guy and Dieter and uh, someone else, they're, like, trying to get into the safe or whatever, and they're using, like, explosives and stuff? And the guy just says, what if we're all in a time loop? And they just waste five minutes talking about that. <laughs> what the okay. fuck was that? It's funny. Can you imagine, though, if that was just the rest of the movies, them in a time loop? <laughs> if, if the movie, if, like, you know, that guy, was, he's, like, in the bathroom. If he closed his eyes and opened them again, it's like, yeah, then everything restarts from this moment. <laughs> I would have laughed really hard. It just ends with an edge of tomorrow. Oh, my, you guys. Dude, that's what I'm It would have been a strong about. recommend. Yeah. Uh, Alex said she'd kill me if I didn't mention this, so she says, that's not Barstow. Okay. Don't understand so, uh, the prior view for mentioning it. I don't remember yeah. that character. Sorry. It's not a character. It's a location. I know. So, like, Rivendell. <laughs> Shut up. After the movie was... I wasn't taking notes during the movie, but after the movie was over, I was like, I'm going to write some stuff down because I'm probably going to forget some of this. Frantic scribbling. (laughs) Yeah, and and Alex was just like, no, no, add this to the list. And I'm like, okay, what what is this? Uh, We we agreed that Batista's daughter was a lot like Kim Bauer in 24. (laughs) That's that's pretty apt, yeah. Yeah, uh, there was that. Down to the poorly CGI'd animals chasing her. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of movie where we'll if, get you, to. if you don't take notes you just pace around your room like loudly dictating to your phone like a psychopath like and another thing what was the deal with all this just hoping someone's in your room taking notes with you like you'll just shout about it for a good two hours with or without a podcast to do that one character who i think 
her birth name was Coyote. She doesn't shoot that one guy, despite him revealing his master plan, which is really stupid and overused. I'm going to breed the zombies and sell them at the war version of E3 alongside the incel raptor. Okay. Zimbol. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, so here's something. Here's something fun. You guys like fun in movies, right? Okay. So there's this idea of... They got, like, Tent City on the outskirts of Zombie Vegas. And there's this family, like, this Indian woman goes in to get money and she can help out her kids or something like that. And Kim Bauer is like, oh, we have to go help her. We have to save her. And they miraculously find this woman. And they bring her back. And, uh... Then she dies in the plane crash. That was all kind of a waste of time. Uh, they won't even show you her fucking body. Like, the yeah. nerve. I, th- I legit think that Zack Snyder just forgot. It's possible. <laughs> he's just, he, like, he didn't have, like, the script assist who's trying to keep everything consistent. He's just like, ah, you know, we'll just show you. So he I, had to uh, go in something... months later and replace an entire character, and at no point is like, maybe I should tighten this up a little bit. I mean, how difficult could it possibly be? Easy peasy, Japanese. Oh my god! <laughs> you what forgot, sound didn't escaped you? you when that happened? I'm curious. And also, what sound escaped her? I mean, I was just sitting in stone cold silence until Dieter says, uh, "Sorry, sir, we're not allowed to say that anymore. It's lemon squeezy now." I can't. I'm not going to do the voice. And uh, you know, the the Japanese guy is just like, yeah, but you know, like it was like, well, it's it's okay if he's. Japanese and the Japanese guys know as you wish easy peasy lemon squeezy so the movie you know has zombies and I have to get to them at some point <laughs> good joke uh, it's like let's explain it actually you see he is Japanese so he, I got it I can tell yeah. he's Japanese Mr. Snyder thank you so yeah honestly we probably could have done an episode on it but I think in the moment if I had watched it, like, right before we were recording I think it would have been like too angry to Buddy, articulate something. Because that movie really pissed me off. We're about what a to stupid, terrible movie. <laughs> it's about to happen uh, anyway. I know, I know. Uh, speaking of another movie that uh, I'm probably going to talk for a long time about, Alex, thank you so much for recommending The Devil's Advocate. <laughs> Dude, that movie actually is pretty good. It now, is the perfect balance of good and really, really, really stupid. Yeah, see, that's the thing, is this probably is a future episode, despite it being two and a half hours long. So, I'm watching this, and I pretty much only know exactly what Alex told me, which is not much, you know? Uh, Keanu Reeves is the lawyer he ends up working for the devil! And I'm like, okay, you know, put it on, what could possibly go wrong here? And for the first, I don't know, I guess like half of the movie, about, oh no, I remember, the first 58 minutes of the movie, I'm like, this is actually just really good. This is just a really good movie. I'm watching, like, this could be a classic. This could be, like, something that America could talk about and say, hey, this is a really interesting fable. It's really subtle. It's really great. And then we have the scene with Charlize Theron trying on dresses <laughs> that woman's <laughs> face turns into a demon face. She sees hands along her inside and everything. I'm like, oh... <laughs> Oh no! I knew exactly what you were gonna say. It's so funny. It's such a reminder. It like, exactly oh shit! I thought this was real. Minutes. You tricked me. I've been in this theater I know, the whole time. Dude, I, thought this I was had a to real pause movie. it because I, I was so high on it. I was like, wow, this is really fucking good. And then that scene happens. You're like, uh oh, 
<laughs> you have to just readjust to what kind of movie this the is. fucking look on their face, they're getting Scooby-Doo when they're on the scary island and there's monsters there. So we have to talk about uh, performances. Let's go with the Charlize Theron because we just talked about her. I like Charlize Theron as an actress. I don't like her in this movie, and I think it's her character. Her character almost seems superfluous. Every single time she's in there, she's kind of just doing the neurotic housewife thing, and she's just freaking out the whole time. Her suicide scene does absolutely nothing for me. I'm trying not to go into too much detail, because this is absolutely a future episode. But every single time she's on screen, I'm just like, oh, she doesn't need to be here. This is a character we can cut. Alex, we had a friendly discussion about what makes the movie too long. I think this is a character that you can and should cut from the movie because it doesn't do anything for me, which is a shame. I love Charlize Theron, but even her great acting doesn't really do much in this movie. Also, she was only 19, so it's not necessarily great. Uh, Let's also talk about Keanu Reeves, who's doing his best uh, (laughs) Nicolas Cage in Con Air impression. This is one of the worst accents I've heard in anything, and we've listened to a lot of bad accents. Now that, I have to admit, uh, it didn't bother me very much. I thought it was basically fine. I, uh, it wasn't really all that distracting, because the movie's two and a half hours long. If he's just going to do that through the entire movie, I'm going to get used to it. And there's, it's really a dialogue-heavy movie, so, like, okay, fine, that's just the way his character talks. Fine, I'll go with it. Uh, I think this is one of the ones where people were making fun of his accent, though, because people are still sort of... There was a point in time where everyone thought of Keanu Reeves as Bill from Bill and Ted, or maybe he's Ted from Bill and Ted. I don't know. I didn't watch it. Uh, this is well before. This is what two years before the Matrix. So people, I, I don't think people really thought of Keanu Reeves as like a real actor, even though he was in Speed and other movies, you know. But I don't know. The accent didn't really bother me. Now there are a whole bunch of other great actors in here. Jeffrey Jones, patron saint of the podcast, uh, one. I, we will get to him. Well, not yet. Not I yet. don't want to say anything because, like, when we get to the episode about it, we I want to talk about it for an hour and a half. I, I want to say uh, yeah. So that's why I'm just trying to hit the major points here. I want to say that I really, really liked Al Pacino in this. I think, in fact, this is my favorite Al, P- Al Pacino performance. I'm I'm dead serious. I thought it was really, really good. Um, I know he's over the top. Uh, I think he's supposed to be that way. Which, Correct. When this I is mean. an episode, it's it's kind of, he's going for something here. And uh, I really like the way that he delivers the lines. His lines are almost always extraordinarily well written. Uh, and even after that stupid like dressing up scene in the movie, I'm like, okay, I can ignore that. I can pretend it's not taking place. Just pay attention. Just try to take it seriously. And but for some mind-bogglingly awful decisions, I think that this would be like an all-time American film that people would talk about all the time. I thought there was so much that's great about it. People, you have to watch The Devil's Advocate. Make some time for it. We're going to do an episode on it. <laughs> I, I do you have any idea how much self-control it's taking to to not talk about Jeffrey Jones's death scene? I Buddy, we both had to do it on aware. this show. <laughs> I am ripping both my hands okay okay if i could just give like one sneak peek for this movie al pacino as the devil is extremely excited about a chicken that can play (laughs) tic-tac-toe what siri is anything coming out you need a second wheelbarrow of cocaine delivered to your trailer all right we got you buddy dude he's so fucking good at this movie Oh man, uh, I I'm actually excited to watch it again just to record about it. I really am. I don't like, know if it's next week's episode, but I loved it. 
Like, it makes total sense, but you just saying, like, this was two years before The Matrix, like, I had to lean back for a second and just think about how quickly <laughs> time flies and things can change for people. Because, my God, that seems like two separate lifetimes. Yeah. Well, good for him. Uh, I gotta say, I liked it. Um, let's see. Watch The Blood on Satan's Claw. Nothing to say about that. I watched a television show, an entire TV miniseries. I guess this is the first mini... Well... Not including Stephen King. This is the first <laughs> miniseries that I've seen since Band of Brothers, which I loved. And I think I might like this one even more. I watched Chernobyl, and I fucking loved it. I I was like, oh my god, this is what I've been missing. This is the television that's so good that I should be watching. Other great shows are out there, like Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad, and I've been missing them all this time. They must surely be as good as Chernobyl. Uh, no, I, I love Chernobyl. I thought it was really well done. I love the acting. I love the writing. I love the performances. I like the way it's shot. I like the way that it's set up. I like the way it's structured. I like uh, the music. I like so much about it. I can even deal with some of the inaccuracies and uh, some of the things like that in there because it never seems to betray the truth. You know, it's just like, well, this is a little bit more dramatic if it happens like that. I'm fine with it. I had a really good time. Uh, I there's some lines in there that really stick with me, and uh, I thought that you know when I was watching Chernobyl, I have to say that really is the depiction of my greatest nightmare. Not the nuclear explosion or meltdown or anything like that, and not the government officials denying reality, putting sixty million people in danger, but rather something going wrong on the overnight, and I have to wake up my bosses. <laughs> <laughs> I feel uh, yeah. Parker Parker says he has not watched Chernobyl. Alex, have you seen it? I haven't. I'll get to it anyway. I have my reasons for not watching it that are kind of outside the scope of this podcast, but No, it's okay. That's that's totally fine. I will say that one of the things that was kind of nice about it was it was pretty short. It was only like five and a half hours. Uh tell you just how good it was. I as soon as it was as soon as it was done, the first episode started playing again, and I was just like I might sit down and just rewatch the whole thing again. <laughs> so instead, I went to Amazon immediately, bought the Blu-ray, and I I don't I'm not like other physical media guys. Okay, if I buy the Blu-ray, I intend to rewatch this multiple times. That's how good this is. This wasn't just a snap decision. I think that this is something that everyone really ought to watch. So I, I personally loved it. Uh, your mileage may vary, but probably not. Let's see, watch Cruella. Yeah, you did. Um, Closing out uh, the last assignment of The Wheel, I watched Earwig and the Witch, the latest <laughs> offering from Studio Giblets. This is not directed by Hayao Miyazaki. It's directed by Goro Miyazaki, his forearmed son. It's, uh, <laughs> it's based on, I think, a British book. About oh, a little God, that, that explains a lot. <laughs> yeah, about a little girl who gets adopted, and she's secretly a witch, and the person who adopts her is a witch, and they do witch stuff. No, oh, I think I've read all seven of those British books. <laughs> yeah, there's some uh, people. Um, there's magic, and there's a cat and stuff. And uh, I have to admit uh, that I I watched. It, I was like, well, that was horrible. Let's see what the other reviews are. How does the rest of the internet feel? The rest of the internet is shitting on this movie. I have to say, I think the internet is sort of looking for the next meme movie. Remember what they did with like cats? People have been dumping on this. I'm like, really? I didn't think it was that bad. I oh boy, don't tell them about this week's episode. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, it was 
it was bad, but it wasn't like horrendous. Like, what are people dumping on it for? People are really dumping on the visuals. And I will say, at first blush, this looks like a general commercial. Uh, <laughs> as in the general.com. <laughs> Not sponsoring this podcast. Naughty, naughty. But uh, I will, I'm actually going to say something that may be a little controversial here. This looks like a typical Studio Giblets movie. So the key thing here is that you know how Studio Ghibli's usually in 2D. Well, this one is 2D transferred over to 3D. These look like Hayao Miyazaki drawings. You can see his character design. These look like people that he would have drawn. The problem here is that A, Hayao Miyazaki's art has never been quite as good as people say that it has been. And the other thing is his art does not translate well to 3D. This does not mean that anime cannot work in 3D. I've mentioned on this podcast before, Lupin the Third the First is one of the best animated movies that I've ever seen. That's an anime movie that was transferred over to 3D. It works, it's great, it's expressive, it's wonderful. This, uh, this just looks really bad. This, But again, it looks like something that Hayao Miyazaki would have drawn. So if you want to get on like, oh, it's because it's in 3D, honestly, you got to go back to the studio because this looks like typical Studio Ghibli fare. And the story kind of feels like it too. You can't, people say, oh, Hayao Miyazaki didn't work on it. It's not his fault. That man, his name is in the credits. And what is he credited with? Planning. Hayao Miyazaki is a notoriously bad planner. He's admitted before that a lot of the times he's just improvising. He doesn't know what he's going to draw next. He's like, oh, I just want to have the story go over to here. Now uh, Kiki Alonso's delivery service is going to go to this house. I don't know. I'm just going to do this. Did the same thing in My Neighbor Totoro. Did the same thing in a whole bunch of other movies. And it works for a lot of people. For some reason, it's not working up here. And I have a feeling that most Hayao Miyazaki fans are growing up and realizing that his movies are for babies. And it's a painful realization for some of them. I think a lot of people aren't really used to it. So maybe that explains the poor reception. But then again, maybe it's the absolute brick wall of an ending. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this movie is sort of built up. and I'm not even going to go into a whole lot of detail. No one cares. But uh, there's this character that they keep teasing throughout the movie. You're just like, hey, that character is like the only interesting uh, part of the movie. I want to know more about this character. She shows up at the very end of the movie. Smash goes to credits. (laughs) It's one of the loudest uh, laughs I've had all year. Just (laughs) how abrupt it is. I heard a very loud... Are you fucking kidding me? From the other side of the room when she was watching it and I was not. (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking terrible, dude. So... Do not watch Earwig and the Witch. Um, and done. Uh, last one here because uh, Alex, I don't know about you, but Parker and I rewatched the 1961 101 Dalmatians before Cruella, so we'll probably get to that before we talk about Cruella. But first, I want to talk about what I did tonight. I took my good friend Josh out to see a movie he's never seen before at the Alamo uh, called They Live. Oh and hell yeah, dude. good for him. I. You know what? That movie came out the same year he was born. He was like, oh, this is going to be a, you know an interesting experience. I'm like, I can't believe you've never seen this before. And I, I have to admit, I was a little apprehensive because I was like, oh, is he going to make the typical Josh jokes or something throughout this and just like come away from something like that? And at first he was doing that. It was showing the opening credits. There was some guy whose last name was Franco. He's like, oh, from the Franco family. Okay, Josh. <laughs> So, luckily, he fucking loved it. He thought it was awesome. And I was like, that is exactly what I was hoping for. He did say something that I kind of reacted to. And I will admit, maybe I'm wrong in here. Just see where I'm going with this. 
the first thing you said was, why doesn't everyone talk about that fight scene as one of the great fight scenes of all time? And my response was, they do. <laughs> but many times. now that I think about it, if he doesn't know that it's one of the great fight scenes of all time, then maybe other people don't know that. I, when I think about the great fight scenes of all time, I think about The Raid, uh, Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee, stuff like that. Maybe, maybe people don't know about this movie as much as they ought to. I will say this. How about the best American fight scene? We'll give them. We'll give them credit for that. Uh, I have to admit, on my what is this, my third or fourth rewatch of They Live, that I'm really happy that they have Roddy Piper instead of Kurt Russell. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's absolutely true. Because Roddy Piper just adds something a little bit extra to the role that I really, really liked. Uh, one thing I always forget about how much I like this is right after that bank scene where he's just finished shooting people, he runs outside with the sunglasses. He looks up in the sky. There's one of those floating like camera things that like tracks people and his reaction isn't like Whoa, what's that he just looks at me and says well hello little fella seeing where i go eh?" <laughs> i miss roddy piper so fucking much dude. he's so fucking funny dude but uh also i, uh, I think i'm like a lot of people were, i did not know what they live was but I knew, like, oh, that's the movie that has the scene from the Cripple Fight episode of South Park. <laughs> I had to tell him that. Oh, hero of the week to myself. So we're watching it, and uh, this is actually a pretty funny story to tell. Josh is like, hey, do you know uh, when's a good time to take a bathroom break? And I'm pretty good at knowing when to go. And I was like, dude, right now is a perfect time to go. So he starts putting his stuff down on the table, and as soon as he does, Roddy Piper gets thrown out a window and falls down the cliff. And Josh just looks at me. I'm like, I was hoping you'd see that on your way down. <laughs> so Josh leaves, comes back right in time for that fight. Uh, I was. I whispered to him, hey, remember the cripple fight? He's like, of course I remember the cripple fight. I'm like, you're about to see it again. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, tell you what, that scene never gets old. It is so fucking good. Also, every single Roddy Piper line is just incredible. Uh, I, I, We have to give credit. Roddy Piper's the one who came up with the bubblegum kick-ass line. But I wonder if he had some input on some of the other lines in there. Like, brother, life's a bitch and she's back in heat. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll funny. get to that yeah oh. <laughs> uh, the other ones are like oh formaldehyde face over here <laughs> oh what a good fucking movie I, I have to say if any movie comes close to representing my political cynicism it would be they live uh, so I'm very very happy that I saw it and also safe uh, spaces <laughs> no safe spaces no, excuse me sorry. You. yes on, uh well i've gone too long as it is alex what did you watch all right so let me start with all the things that aren't star wars hell yes son. <laughs> all right the wheel giveth and the wheel taketh away and the wheel assigned me a movie from parker called the cleansing hour oh hell yeah bro <laughs> let's fucking go buddy oh, no yeah dude what a fucking film yeah dude <laughs> i mean you know it's 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 checking all the boxes for me when you know there's fake twitch chat and fake exorcisms and i i, I mean it, you know your audience here <laughs> i don't need to go over the details of like most of the movie because it's like a pretty good horror movie that is like very much in the vein of my shit and that like it's gory, but not in, like, the annoying movie, like, The Sawways, and it's just extremely fucking gooey to look at. 
And then that last like fifteen minutes happened. <laughs> yeah, dude. That last fifteen is like that was me. Like I have to mention this on the show just so it's in Alex's brain, so I can assign it to him later. Oh yeah, <laughs> the Jeez. fucking reveal with the kid made me laugh so <laughs> fucking hard while I was watching. It was it. funny because like like you know not to be that guy, but like since I knew there was a twist, I kind of figured out what was gonna be happening. Like I don't know, fifteen twenty minutes of the movie, the first time we like smash cut to another location of like somebody watching the stream. Like I kind of knew what was up. And yet, even knowing what was up, there was just, like, shit like that that was thrown in there that was completely extraneous and unnecessary that made me go, wait, what, why? Why would you do this? (laughs) That movie is incredible. Like, for, like, 10% of the people listening, it is incredibly good. Everyone else will just get a headache and get mad at me for recommending it. But that's fine. It really is a, like, know-your-audience kind of movie. And, like, you assigning this to me is... Perfect. Pat, this is on the list for you for a while, not for Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your restraint. Absolutely. Yeah, I think Chris would get... I actually kind of think Chris would get something out of it, but not not what we're looking for here. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Alright, what else we got? <laughs> so you guys remember, you know, speaking of... Uh, <laughs> this one came up, like, right after I watched the Star Wars movies, because I was thinking about other things that were just, like marketed extremely heavily to me in the early 2000s that have since disappeared from the face of the fucking earth. You guys remember Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow? Oh my Wait, god. Wait, yeah I do. <laughs> like, I just remember being bombarded with ads for that and then nobody fucking saw it. So I was like, well, this is streaming somewhere. Let's go ahead and fire it up. I'm not gonna say this is, like, a good movie, but it's very different in, like, a good way. Like, this is very clearly someone's vision like, if I'm not mistaken, the director that made this, like, worked on, like, the concept for this for, like, years and years and years and years and years. And finally got this made and it bombed and he's never worked again. But, uh, uh, basically the premise is, like, we're in the 1930s and, uh, some evil dudes that aren't affiliated with any country make giant robots that fly to New York and start destroying things. And it's up to a dashing pilot played by Jude Law and an intrepid 1920s reporter played by Gwyneth Paltrow to stop them. Fuck, fuck, I should watch this. It's like... It's like, like... like It's very clearly trying to like ape the style of old movies, but like do it digitally. Like That was clearly the conceit of the movie and how this got made. And like it's kind of cool to look at. Like It's kind of cool to look at. It's kind of cool that like somebody thought this would work. And it's, it's decently fun. I mean... The jokes are kind of hokey because they're, like, clearly trying to ape this, like, bygone era of, like, humor in movies and stuff. But also, like, an hour into the movie, we get the reveal that the British have invented a flying aircraft carrier piloted by Angelina Jolie with an eye patch. Hey, wait a second. You take the good with the bad. (laughs) I'm locked in. Let's fucking go. Dude, this is starting to remind me of The Phantom. Kind of, yeah. That's actually, like... I mean, it's better acted than The Phantom. Well, but I mean, more. it would have to be. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, like, it's, like, less, like, cartoonish adventure and more, like, a little bit more self-serious, although there are more jokes in this than The Phantom, I think. Like, it's just... It's different. It's unlike any movie I've ever seen. And I think for that reason, it's worth watching if you're somebody that's, like, really into movies. But, uh... But yeah, that cast and that premise, like, I wasn't going to not press play. Like, 
Do you know how pissed off I am? I'm gonna end up getting a free trial of Paramount Plus to watch Sky Captain and then fall asleep to Cat Dog. That's gonna be my fucking weekend. This is garbage. I hate my lack of restraint so much. But it's right Honk. there. There's so much Jersey Shore on there. Paramount Plus is 1,000% worth it. Just for God the damn it. Like, I fucking love I have Plus. so many, but also... <laughs> yeah. But also Ren and Snippy's on there. Mm-hmm. God damn it. What, what Why is this here? a tipping point for me? Why is my brain <laughs> I watched a um I watched a horror comedy from last year called Boys from County Hell. So this is a movie. It's about it's like some uh some like crotchety old blue collar workers out in the country. They're like, I don't know, fucking paving a road or some shit. <laughs> and they come across an ancient vampire tomb, which of course they don't respect and just like pave over it. So the vampire gets out and starts killing people. And also, everyone, including the vampire, is aggressively Irish. Oh, hell yeah. I've skipped over this like four times. I wish I'd hit play now. God damn it. So this is one of those movies that's more for me than Parker. (laughs) Yeah! If the the premise of a vampire horror comedy about old Irish people, like, sounds good to you, watch this movie. If not, skip it. Like, there's... (laughs) Like, it, it's not as funny as it could or probably should be, and, like, it's this very clearly low-budget, but not, like, on the level of some of the Squatch films we've seen. So, like, with with that knowledge going in, like, you'll know if it's for you or not. <laughs> there's a fucking... <laughs> there's a joke in this that absolutely murdered me, which I have to repeat. So they're, like, you know, like, the first, like, vampire attack has happened. Like, the first person on their crew has been, like, turned they think and they're like trying to you know they have the scene like they have in all these movies that are like self-aware of the fact that vampires exist where they're all the characters like trying to figure out like wait is this really a vampire or not and like the one guy is like like do you think it's a uh and like 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 you know just like stammering to say vampire to which another dude comes in and goes a fucking cunt (laughs) and he just fucking body (laughs) and a proper legend I know the algorithm works because HBO Max has let me know, like, hey, we just added all the Lethal Weapon movies and Kung Fu Hustle. Sign on, piggy. <laughs> yep. Guess next week's episode is lined up. Alright, what else we got here? I, uh, I watched a movie from 1998 called Black Dog. Are either of you familiar with Black Dog? Chris, calm yourself down. This isn't a Led Zeppelin documentary. <laughs> oh, I was going to say that they played yeah, Also, calm your dad down for similar reasons. <laughs> oh no no no! Your your dad will be right back in as soon as I explain the yeah, premise. Good. Of this movie. Let's let's hear this one. So, <laughs> so Patrick Swayze plays a disgraced trucker who gets brought back in by the criminal underworld to do one last job, where he's uh, got to haul a shipment of weapons across the country. How how does he get disgraced as a trucker? Uh, he. <laughs> That's a good question, actually. Okay, so. <laughs> The titular black dog is a trucker myth about when you've been pushing too hard and driving too long, you start to see this black dog chasing you, and it's like an, a harbinger of bad things that are going to happen. So basically, Patrick Swayze... Harry Potter, what are you talking about? Patrick Swayze flattened some dude with his truck and went to jail. Like, that's oh, like, that's <laughs> disgraceful. Okay. So, like... So I thought this job. was going to be, like, you know... A movie where, like, the main character is, like, a trucker and, like, that. I didn't realize this was going to be a trucking movie where, like, the whole, like, every scene transition is, like, you know, like, 
old fiddly ass country music that you'd expect from like people driving trucks and like all of the bumpers are like trucker lore and also Patrick Swayze just getting dogged by the fucking like gun mafia or something like, gun mafia I dude I... <laughs> again if this premise sounds like it's for you there are approximately 10,000 truck explosions in this it's real good. Oh, yeah, there you go. Now you're talking my language. Let's see, I, I pulled mean, the it's, movie it's... up, and I feel like you're burying the lead here a little bit. I feel like oh, there's a cast well, member well, you need to mention. Do, do you mean... <laughs> do you mean Meatloaf or country music sensation Randy Travis? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Second and third build. <laughs> Dude... <laughs> This is one of those movies that just radiates dad energy. Like, I, this fucking ended at, like, 6 in the morning, and I immediately opened Discord. It's like, who's online? I want to talk about trucking with somebody. <laughs> it's insane how many movies like this just don't exist. And you and find them ins- in the corners of Bezos land, you're like, this probably costs, like, $30 million. <laughs> and, like, half the movies that you say that about, like, turn to profit. Like, I know. People saw them at the time. They're just gone now. Like... And somehow Patrick Swayze's in, like, half of them. Like, if you can buy this now, it's one of those fucking, like, cardboard DVD things that clips over on the front and just creases easily. It's a piece of shit, or it's on, like, a five-pack of Swayze movies. You cannot find this movie. It doesn't exist. But, like, stars or some shit will buy, like, 50 movies and be like, oh, I guess we have Black Dog now. Throw that on the app. <laughs> maybe, maybe Big Tech is good. <laughs> Whoops <laughs> is to say. Alright, what else? What other non-Star Wars movies you got here? Oh, I, I uh I rewatched The Happening for the first time in a while. Oh hell yeah, boys. He, he had to know, right? I, I, he had to know. I honestly don't know. I, like I think I was, he did. I mean, you don't cast those leads and not know. Because like it's not like this is some weird Mark Wahlberg performance. It's just Mark Wahlberg playing Mark Wahlberg. It's just Zoe Deschanel playing Zoe Deschanel. Like you can't not know. There's no way he's either like the most incompetent person to have ever walked the earth, or he made like a really really funny satire movie. And like there's no in between. Well, that's I think we mentioned that on the episode where we talked about it. It's like. He, it seems like he was saying after the fact, oh no, it's like it's a B movie, you know? Like those 1950 movies. Dude, you didn't watch it. Is Josh still at your oh, house? Well, okay then. No. Uh, <laughs> Excuse nah, me. It's a, I, I think he was going after the fact, oh, you know, it's supposed to be bad on purpose. It'd be like, I think he realized after they put it together, oh no, this isn't salvageable. I mean, it's got some things to Shut say up. that I'm are like noises. clearly like he has some ideas that are like on display here. But, Shut like, up. the case that this me. is, like, intentionally sorry. satirical sorry, is, like, way, way, way too easy to make for me to believe that, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like, I've never really engaged with anybody, like, in the discourse about this movie. So, like, I don't really know where, like, the cultural zeitgeist stands with the happening other than it's really funny whether you think it's on purpose or by accident. But, uh, man, what a film. I don't. I don't need to go over like the scenes in this one because you guys have already heard it. But uh... oh, black water, keep on running. <laughs> <laughs> That's still my favorite part of that movie. Everyone forgets it. Everyone goes for the part where he talks to the tree, or the other one where he's just like, "What? No, 
But like when he starts singing the Doobie Brothers to prove that he's regular is <laughs> my favorite part. It definitely keeps my attention every time I watch it. That fucking when they go up to that house they think is abandoned and those two fucking teenagers get blasted is like the hardest I've laughed at anything in a month and a half. <laughs> the cut to slow motion as those kids get their faces blown off. <laughs> like the group splits up and you're like who the fuck are these red shirts and then not five minutes later they're both just eating shotgun blasts to the face you love to see it that kid from the cat in the hat demanding to be let in and just that that gun barrel just slipping on through the ground it's so fucking funny it honestly kind of feels like a G.I. Joe thing that you can open up hey let me in Last one there's a penis pump. <laughs> give him the shotgun. Don't give him the shotgun. <laughs> Alright, we have to stop. We're gonna do this all night. Yeah. Yep. Um so Parker and I are both fans of the movie Hell House. Chris less so. Uh so I finally got around to Hell House 2, the Abaddon Hotel. Parker, you did not care for this movie, am I correct? Man, just... Chris was not a fan of the quality of the first one. But the drop is intense. How was every I mean, performance so much worse? I kind of fuck with it. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, don't I get like, me wrong. Like, I had seen it before, and then I still binged all three in a row, like, a year later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still fuck with it. Like, I'm always a sucker for found footage movies. I mean, I'm like... It's nowhere near as good as the first one, of course. But, like, by the standards of horror movie sequels, this is, like... I, like, a- adjusting on that curve, it's, like, a 9 out of 10. Like, <laughs> it's it's decent. I was not bored. I was extremely tired when we put it on and did not fall asleep, which is more than I can say of most things I put on when I'm extremely tired. <laughs> I'm not going to talk too much about it, because what is there to say about this fucking sequel to a found footage movie that four people have seen other than the fact that i laughed incredibly hard at the reveal that the big bad was just fucking g-man from half-life <laughs> yeah dude it's <laughs> wait till you see the third one i'm excited for that conversation <laughs> if it ended an hour earlier i would be talking about it right now but uh oh, man. Yeah, oh, i'll man. i'll i'll get to it after we watched um uh the cleansing hour I was at work, like, the next night, and she was sending me movies that she found that were like The Cleansing Hour, because she really, really enjoyed it, so... Hell uh, yeah, dude! Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't so expecting good. that response, but I was very, very pleased. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll end up watching a Goofy movie this week. <laughs> oh, I hope so. <laughs> Alright, now let's get to the main attraction here. Oh, so, uh, I hate myself. And decided that what I needed to do this week was rewatch all of the Star Wars prequels for the first time since I've seen them, which was uh, the last time I saw them was in theaters. Each of them oh my have not God. have not bothered to revisit since, you know, despite being this podcast Star Wars correspondent, you know, mm-hmm. can't say I was exactly up to snuff on all of the lore. So uh, let's get started with the Phantom Menace, which I saw as an eight-year-old at a drive-in theater and have not thought much about since. This is a movie that gets dumped on relentlessly, especially by people, like, our age. So, to find out that, like, the Zoomers kind of fuck with this movie, like, I was, like, a little bit surprised. 
But then I started watching it, and uh, it's a lot better than I remembered. Like, goddamn. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, kind of shocked. Like, I mean, look, like, I'll get the bad stuff out of the way first. Like, it looks like fucking hot doo doo. For the amount of money they spent on this movie, it looks like fucking shit. And, like, you can tell if it came out five years earlier or five years later, it would have looked really good in one way or the other. But the weird, like, CGI practical effects hybrid is just incredibly jarring. Like, there's a fucking scene at the pod race where, like, the audience is in the background. And, like, the audience is very clearly in, like, practical effect, like, makeup and shit. Like, they're, they're, they're there to be window dressing, so, like, they're not gonna, like, CGI them. And in the foreground is the two-headed CGI pod race announcer. And, uh, oh my God. just the juxtaposition of the two is, like, upsetting to look at. And, uh, Can we talk about, like, how insanely, like, impressive Jar Jar Binks, like, as a CGI character is? Because it's kind of insane and lost to time for everything else about Jar Jar Binks. He looks great. And it's important that he looks great because he is in so much more of this movie than like, you remember. He looks yeah. so much better than the CGI Dalmatians that we will get Correct. to later. Like, that's the thing, too. Like, we, we can do the Jar Jar thing now. Like, the first, like, 25 minutes of this movie, he was just upsettingly annoying as I remembered him. But, like, once you realize he's going to be there the whole time, he's really easy to tune out. Like, if they had just had him never say how rude, it, it's so <laughs> much more tolerable. But he does it, like, six times because he's in so many scenes. And it's always like... Oh, here we are at the pod... Oh, uh-oh, Jar Jar has hands stuck in the pod racer again. Like, just, like, the dumbest slapstick bits with this throwaway character. But, like, I thought about it. I kind of can't blame George Lucas for this one. Because, like, all the little Star Wars piggies love C-3PO. And C-3PO is so much more annoying than Jar Jar. Like... Uh, my coworker, who is, like, maybe at most three years younger than me and doesn't really care about Star Wars, is like... Oh yeah, dude! I love I love Jar Jar. He's hilarious. Like, <laughs> I get it, man. It's, it's I, for babies. It's it doesn't matter. I'll tell you this much about Jar Jar. My family loved Jar Jar so much that we had two cats, one of which we named Jar Jar, and the other one we named Binks. So that more is family incredible lore. Where has this been? <laughs> yeah. What? Dude. I, I don't know. Um, I'm gonna I, freak out. Yeah. I'll give you some time on this one. I, I kind of want to push back on the C-3PO hate. Not that I'm a fan or anything, because I'm not. But upon re-watching the, uh, the despecialized versions of the original Star Wars, I was kind of struck by how little C-3PO there is in those movies. And uh, maybe that's one of the reasons that I like 5 more than 4, because there's less C-3PO. But there's so much more Jar Jar than there is C-3PO. I cannot uh, say that we'll, I like we'll, Jar Jar We'll get to more. Attack of the Clones, buddy. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, oh, right, yeah, yeah, there's also that, too. My comment on the flip side is the people that say, like, you know, if you take out Jar Jar, like, the fan is actually pretty good. It's like, uh, no. In, in, incorrect. <laughs> yeah. He is uh, the most visible issue, but my god. I, I think I, uh, my, my thing is I, I dislike all the characters in that movie besides Obi-Wan Kenobi. Everyone else so, is just awful. Yeah, yeah, I can do the Ewan McGregor thing now. He's incredible in all three of these movies. He's yeah, so he, very, he does very good, yeah. so much hard work. Yeah. Like, I am legitimately excited for the Obi-Wan series just because I want to watch Ewan McGregor again. I'm glad that yeah. he's coming back, man, because he, he's yeah. actually really good in all of these. And, like, you said that about the characters, like... I feel so bad for Natalie Portman in all of these movies because, like, I know she can't act. But <laughs> they're just, just, 
just the most worthless character of all fucking time. So here's the, the thing about Natalie Portman in these movies. I've seen her deliver standout performances, even from the age of like 12 years old. She's an incredible actress. But she picks her spots, okay? She plays when she wants to play. She's like Randy Moss. If she knows that she's got a bad script and she's just like, oh, you're Anna Kin. Well, I will. And she just reads her lines, dude. And That's George fair. Lucas doesn't know a good performance from a bad performance, so he's just like, okay, on to the next scene. It's a, it's a real Anthony Hopkins and Thor performance. Yeah. She does the same yeah. thing in the Thor movie. She's like, yeah, exactly. oh, I'm just a human love interest? Sick. Cool. All right, yeah, well. Yeah, she knows. She's like, oh, you oh want this me to come is not for exactly the... Black Swan, you know? <laughs> I don't want to come back for the sequel. You'll sue me? Well, okay. You'll get yeah. what you get. Yeah. Let's go. I'm Fucking... so excited for this, you guys. If you're into the, it, you're uh, into it. That's fine. I'm not trying to dump on you, but yeah. uh, I, boy, I cannot stand uh, any of the prequels, s- least of all number one. Well, so the two. kid is less annoying than I remember, uh, Jake which Lloyd. is really all I have to say about the kid, because like, there's a lot of kid, and at its core, this is a movie about a kid and an annoying talking animal more than anything else, yeah, which I, you know is something that I fucking hate. Yeah, I think the reason that a lot of people really hated Jake Lloyd is there was a lot of adult Star Wars fans at the time. And they didn't realize that At ultimately. Well, that's well, that's the thing. Glad that, we're like, done with that. <laughs> no, that's the thing is that a lot of people didn't realize that at that time that that Star Wars is for babies. You know, they they thought, oh, Star Wars will grow up with me. It never grows up. It this is not what the does. series yeah, does. Awesome. You know, this is not going to be about some adult person. You know, so they got mad at Jake Lloyd, who I'm going to say he's not a good actor. I'm not going to pretend like he's good in the movie, but like, lay off. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, to circle back for a brief second of the C-3PO thing, like, you can say what you want about people not liking, or not caring about, excuse me, not caring about C-3PO that much, but I vividly remember being, like, seven years old on the playground and, like, playing Star Wars and two kids fighting over who got to be C-3PO. So, uh, <laughs> you might not be totally online with that one. <laughs> I hope they're doing well. That does seem kind of anecdotal, but I do remember you talking in the Ready Player One episodes, like, you could be anything. Why would you want to be C-3PO? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... Space uh, cook. I... I, I like, legitimately, cup. C-3PO might be, like, my least favorite character in any piece of media ever. So, oh, yeah. I, I, I'm like... I think Rick Rape is there for me. So. <laughs> He's up there. <laughs> um, so, so, like, yeah, like, like, it doesn't look great, and there's a lot that's, like, not great about the plot. But also, like, this is the only Star Wars movie that isn't, like explicitly about like light side dark side horse shit and like all of these same fucking families and characters that you see in any other movie yes i know it's anakin skywalker but like other than that like does not really have any connective tissue to other star wars movies at all and after having watched the new trilogy and like the side movies and stuff like and having them more fresh in my memory than this i was so fucking relieved that we're just arguing about space trade the whole time it was such a fucking relief and i think that's the reason that i ended up enjoying this so much because it's a star wars movie that isn't about the same shit as the other 10 fucking star wars movies like (coughs) you can do something else thank you george i think i mentioned both of these on the show before but uh before nine eight or nine came out we marathoned, uh, me and a friend did one through six all in a row. Oh. And I'm going to be honest, those prequels, by like hour seven, you're in pain. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. But well, also, you're also not supposed to watch them like that. Correct. But like, <laughs> autism. 
But uh, right. after Rise of Skywalker came out, our favorite movie, uh, we saw it together in theaters, and then eventually it got thrown on Disney Plus. I'm like, all right, we've only seen it the one time. Let's do seven, eight, nine. Got halfway through seven, and just kept seeing all these strands that weren't going to get picked up, and went. Man, fuck this. It turned it off, skipped eight, went to nine, and then just hated it the whole time. So, like... <laughs> yeah. I get it, man. <laughs> like, not the to... prequels, I will never... I will never say they're actually good, but, like... They have that interesting thing of, like... Wow, he really fucking thought this was gonna work, huh? Sure, why That's not, man? That's a good way, yeah. Why wouldn't there be a 50 space diner with a four-armed cook? Whatever, man. We'll get to him. Oh, we will. Like, not, not, to, not to bury the lead here, but, like, if in my personal rankings of the star wars movies seven is the big loser from this week because like just realizing like oh these other movies do have ideas like they are doing new and interesting things even if a lot of it doesn't work instead of this just stupid fucking theme park ride like, oh yeah now we're on this planet remember this character like fuck seven dude i never want to watch that movie again i just, know it, i never expected seven to be anything different because like they didn't spend eight billion dollars to take chances like well, that's, yeah that's what's I mean, interesting. it's not a good excuse but like i never expected it to be anything but uh hey you guys remember this right we're gonna make more of them now you know that's, that's actually but granted also like i said we turned it off halfway through, so, you know. Okay, so that, it kind of strikes me, because you say all that, and it sort of reminds me of what we were talking about with the Snyder Cut. Say what exactly, you will about yes. it, but, like, I, I don't want to step on you or anything like that, but, uh, at least that's an idea by a guy, and he's just trying to do something. Whereas the Justice League theatrical cut, that's a committee, and that's the same thing that we got with Number Seven. That's just the safest possible movie designed to offend no one, try to please all parties. And what we got is that's eh, kind of you know whatever it's for fucking Funko yeah. Pop babies. Yeah, like, exactly. Normies have taken nerd culture. I don't. I don't like. like I'm just like, like gonna pivot yeah. back to normie hobbies. That's Fuck the thing. Man. Is like I don't like Episode One at all. I think it's a really bad movie, but at least it's original. It doesn't work, but. I, I'm fine if it doesn't work. At least people are trying something new. This is the only way that art progresses, is by trying new things. We see what doesn't work, we see what does work. Like, I, like, like, I, I think I, I said on... Oh, sorry. No, no, talk, talk. I think I've said on previous Star Wars episodes, like, I don't like any of the prequels, but, like, when I'm somewhere with Cable and Spike TV has decided it's a day for a Star Wars marathon, it's like, yeah, I'll watch Attack of the Clone with commercials. Why not? Oh. I could just put the disc in, but I'm just gonna let this run all day, even though it sucks, like... I don't know, always just a part of me will enjoy being in that world. And my God, those movies are definitely one man and one man's alone. Incredibly dumb vision. Yeah. And, and I will always enjoy that. At, for the very least, like two and a half of these movies are at least like the planet hopping space adventure that I want from Star Wars. Like, I've, much like you guys, I've spent 20 years on the internet dunking on George Lucas and, like, watching these, I'm like, oh, George Lucas clearly isn't the problem with Star Wars. Okay, cool. We were all wrong. I will never take back the memes, because memes own. But, like, yeah, this is, like, I mean, there's a lot of shit that doesn't work. But, like, the pod racing scene is fucking incredible. It's so like, good, dude. It is unbelievably good. Chris, you might be getting a visit from the Tusken Raider snipers on the course in next year's Game of Games. <laughs> Just fair warning. <laughs> I thought there was going to be a Tusken Raiders movie or something I was breaking <laughs> up for a split second. <laughs> Look, man, the problem with Star Wars has always been and will always be Star Wars fans. Exactly. There's plenty of people I know and respect who love the end of Season 2 of The Mandalorian. And, uh... I don't like Star Wars for the same reasons as these people, and that's fine, because it's a dumb space show for babies, and that's fine. But, uh, yeah. Not for me. Not my thing. 
I just want to watch yeah. people go to cool planets and like get in cool looking spaceships that make cool noises. Uh-huh. A lightsaber is not the most important thing in the world. It's just a silly space sword because George Lucas likes samurai movies. It's fine. It's fine. It's that's like one thing that I really realized watching this, which like I've known for a while, but like it it's worth repeating. Like there's nothing that's ever gonna be cool about a lightsaber fight. Ever. You can't make it look good. Doesn't matter. Literally does not matter. It's two dudes swinging CGI swords at each other. It's gonna look stupid. Yeah, because they can it's use for fucking babies. Just force push someone. That's what I would do. It's it's just it's for literal children. Like if you're if you're one of the people that's like mad about Darth Maul because like he talks or because he doesn't talk or because you don't know why it's like it's not the fucking point, man. Like I mean, it's so important. Nineteen ninety, Darth Maul was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And when he revealed that his lightsaber, in fact, had two blades on it, I was soy facing in that theater while my mom was incredibly disinterested next to me. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, it's incredibly stupid, and they probably shouldn't have killed him, but also, it's for kids, man. It's fine. Yeah. Remember how much cooler that looked? I'm glad this was important to you when you were a child. Remember how much cooler that looked in, like, that sword lightsaber that they had in that one Star Wars trailer? It was like, oh, that would just, like, burn your hand if you, like, did it wrong with your wrist. <laughs> Yeah, and just the big tasers that, yeah. like, all of the non-Jedi get to use. Like, yeah, yeah I don't fucking care, man. Like, whatever. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, parting thought on the Phantom Menace. Totally forgot Sebulba was a manlet. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> That's how <laughs> I walked to the bathroom. Thing, he's, like, two feet tall. I'm just like, huh. Oh, wait. Sebulba. Oh, he was the he was the bad guy pod racer, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, so dude. there was a there's a scene in there that sticks with me that I actually thought was really funny. There's he's like messing with one of the guys, uh I think he's messing with Anakin's pod racer, right? He like does some stuff with like the engine or whatever, and then he like hears a small explosion and he he, he goes like uh oh and he just leaves the scene. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I thought it was really funny. <laughs> yeah. That that's like even with like some of the really, really shoddy CGI and parts of that, like that whole pod racing scene, like, that could be a whole movie. I would watch that. I'm good with it. Like, that, like, like for all of this movie's flaws, you get that, and you get, like, the fucking reveal of the first time they go to Coruscant, and you just realize there's just an entire, like, future city planet. It's like, alright, yep, that's what I came for. Cool, thanks guys. So the Sith Wayfinder takes you to the dagger, <laughs> and then if you pull the protract out of the dagger and take it to the Death Star, you find the Sith Holocron. <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> so an Attack of the Clowns. Uh, like, Attack of the Clones, for the longest time, has been my least favorite Star Wars movie. There is no chance I will ever watch The Rise of Skywalker before we watch Attack of the Clones. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, like, so this, it's, the thing is, like, it's two movies. Like, one movie is just Obi-Wan Kenobi space detective flying across the galaxy going to cool planets, which owns, and is like a four-star movie. And then the rest is just fucking Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman Ugh. mailing in this fucking love story. Where just, oh, no, I love you more. No, I love you more. Oh, no, they're going to find out. Oh, no, they're going to find out. And it's just like, if you take, like, fucking two of those 15 love scenes and give me literally anything from Count Dooku in the first 90 minutes, this is at least watchable. It's like, oh, here's our big bad. Don't worry about it. We'll get to him in the third act. Yeah, I forgot about More him by the story. time we got there. It's like, it's just such a whiff. Like, you have this, it's, oh, he was on the Jedi Council, and then this, the Sith Lord turned him, and oh, don't worry, we're never going to see him. It's not important. 
All this I want to do sucks. is watch Christopher Lee walk around in a cool robe and talk to people. That's all yeah. I've ever wanted out of movies. I got a list of movies like that. Uh, there's <laughs> just a casual drop like, oh yeah, he's Qui Gon's old master. It's like, motherfucker, we're doing prequels. Can I just watch that? Can I don't I just even watch remember Lee hang out with that. Liam Neeson for like an hour, please. I don't ask for much from Star Wars because I know better. Yeah. yeah, and like even all of the fucking flaws of this movie, like the love story sucks, the the bad guy story sucks. Fucking the entire climax in the droid factory where C three PO is inexplicably there, oh just oh, being oh annoying. He's really scared he might die. Wait, they do that again in in Episode Nine. It's like, oh, I might lose C three PO. Like, good. Yes, please. Like, if I'm one thousand percent on Team Sith, if they just fucking slash that stupid droid's head off. Seriously, like, I fucking hate C three PO so much. And like, it's just like, it's the double whammy of like it sucks. And also, it looks like shit. Like, the the only way I can think to describe the third act of this movie on the droid planet with the Colosseum fight with the fucking CGI monsters and shit is, like, it looks like Borderlands if Borderlands wasn't stylized. Like, it just... <laughs> it, it looks so fucking shitty. I can't believe they spent so much money on this. Like, how is this in the same movie with the fucking planet where the clone army is being built? That's just like a giant storm, and there's like dope aliens walking around oh the moon God. base. Like, so many bug monsters making clones, dude. <laughs> that, like, like when when like when Obi Wan ends up on that planet and is like doing shit with like, uh, oh yeah, he chased like uh, he chased Jango Fett here, and uh, they're doing clone stuff, and there's bounty hunters. It's like. Maybe this movie's okay, even though the Hayden Christensen stuff is really, really bad. And then the rest of the movie happens. It's like, oh, nope, never mind. I was wrong. My bad. <laughs> it's incredibly funny that the movie ends on Yoda talking about the Clone Wars, and then three stars are like, damn, that was crazy, huh? <laughs> well, anyways. <laughs> that was one of the things that gets me, is the only reason that this movie was even made is there was a brief throwaway line in the first movie, like, you fought in the Clone Wars, or something like that. Like, I didn't even care. That was just like a nice throwaway line. Like, oh, I wonder what that adventure is. No, actually, I don't wonder what that adventure is like. You don't even need to make this movie. It's so stupid. Fuck. It fucking owns that, like, they have this enormous army of combat droids. And they go, hey, man, you know what would be better than this? Bringing back people, soldiers. Thanks, Star Wars. <laughs> Great idea. Yeah, how do you get from clones versus robots to... Just conscripting random dudes. <laughs> yeah, it makes the entire new fucking trilogy make no sense. Like, John Boyega clearly isn't descended from Django Fett. Like, I'm sorry, what? It's like, prequels are always a bad idea. Yeah. But, you know, money. Money, money, money. And then... I don't know. I don't ever want to talk about the sequels again, but yeah, also I know correct. I'll have to. Uh, I've made my piece, we'll... like... Hey man, there's more bad Star Wars movies than good. It's fine. Yeah, and then uh, I have nothing else to say about Attack of the Clones. Like, yeah, I, it sucks Phantom ass. Menace is way more interesting. Attack of the Clones is unwatchable. It's it is so dog awful. shit. So here's the thing about Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith is so much better than I remembered it being. <laughs> I can't believe I'm fucking saying that. It kind of sucks. I don't sucks. know how. I don't it's know how this movie. Best. I don't know how this came out three years after Attack of the Clones, because this looks like a modern movie. This could have come out yesterday, and I would be like, yeah, these effects, other than Yoda, are great. Like, 
it looks fan-fucking-tastic. I'm like watching it immediately after the second one and knowing that you're going to be greeting Hayden Christensen on a curve. He's fine in this. So here's the thing about Hayden Christensen. I really want to get this out of the way. When he's speaking, it's like a zero out of ten. Please see me after class. What are you doing? We have to call on your parents. When he keeps his mouth shut and he's just looking, ten out of ten. He he is so good at just looking. And you can feel the emotion based on the way that his eyes are darting around or or the way that his lips are bent. I don't know if I've ever seen anyone who's that good at this sort of thing. And there, this is like the one character who should have been one of those brooding superheroes because he's so good at brooding. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you watch this, it's like, oh, that's why they cast him. I get it now. Like, it's... I mean, it has a lot of the flaws of the first two, but it's really pretty. And, like, you know where it's fucking going because it's a prequel. So there's no stakes. And the fact that there's no stakes makes it so much more palatable. Like, yeah, it's a prequel. Prequel shouldn't exist. I'm 100% on your side. But with the knowledge that it's a prequel, like, it's hard to be mad about literally any of the choices. Like, how do we get from point A to point B? Well, because we only have two and a half hours of runtime and we have to get to point C later on. Like, it's... Like, I, when you remember, like, he's for kids, like, how did you become Darth Vader? So there's a lava planet, like, hey, I'm in. Go ahead, yeah, let's go. Yeah, it looks I'm in, that's so all I needed. All I want to do right now is stop recording and go play Battlefront 2. I'm going to be honest with yeah. you. Okay. I, uh, I'll tell you what, I don't <laughs> like this movie either, but there's a lot that I can defend. Uh, sorry, a lot that I can defend and a lot that I want to defend. Ian McDermott as the Emperor is fucking oh fantastic. God, so fucking have you ever good. seen a guy have so much fun in a movie? He is. He's great. So powerful, He's dude. fucking awesome. I need more of this guy. Come on. And uh, I think everyone talks about this, but they're right. Is when they talk about the the legend of Darth Plagueis or whatever during that what was that opera thing or something that they're doing. They're at the Senate. Yeah, yeah, something like that. He's like, "Have you ever heard of Darth Plagueis?" And, or something like that. Uh, that's one of the best parts in the entire, in all of Star Wars, really, because Star Wars itself is a mythos, and it gives itself a mythos, something yeah. that, like, something I can really sink my teeth into, something I can imagine, and if you make a fucking movie about this, I am going to be furious, because <laughs> I'll be assigned. <laughs> oh, no, there's several books, don't worry about it. Oh, uh, well, I, I can't read. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's one of the things I really like about this. Also, again, Ian McDermott as the Emperor, holy shit, that guy rules. He is I, having a ball. Yeah. I lo- like, in this movie, like, again, it's, this is the most, like, babyfied Star Wars plot of the three movies, which obviously I'm going to hold against it because fuck Star Wars. But, like, I like every planet we go to. I like almost every performance. The only stuff I don't like is the kitty bullshit that is just endemic of Star Wars. I had a lot more fun with this than I was expecting to because this was like when this came out this was like peak internet meme like you couldn't be on the internet in 2005 without dunking on this movie even if you liked it it was just like yeah I gotta post the memes it's how it goes you know whatever and like that's just like ingrained into my brain at this point like just thinking like oh wow everyone hated this and to go back and watch it and be like huh that was kind of competent I would watch this five times before any of the three new ones like yeah. Like, and at this point, it's been so long, it's like, yes, and then she dies of a broken heart. I've moved past it, it's fine. Yeah. I, have I don't to admit, care I, I half expected this movie to end with, like, a little Han Solo walking in there and be like, that's uh, Leia, and that 
<laughs> you know, I'm glad that you brought that up because, like, compared to the new ones, there's so little fan service in these movies. Like, there's some. Like, yeah, Yoda says hi to Chewbacca. Like, oh, cool. Yeah. I know who that yeah, is. Chewbacca's barely in this, actually. Isn't yeah, it? it's like yeah. 30 seconds. It's fine. Yeah. It's totally okay. He's there like, and he's gone. Yeah. I don't mind. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I gotta say, like, during the, the fucking Order 66 montage, I was just thinking about what music Zack Snyder would be playing over when he's getting murdered. So that, that bumped it up like a half star by itself. Like a hard rock this will get murdered. I see a bad moon rising. <laughs> no, dude, it would be like a flyleaf cover of The Boys Are Back in Town. Dude, oh, <laughs> don't don't speak that into existence if you want me to come back next week. <laughs> like, sorry guys, I was too busy to watch the movie. I was listening to the Flyleaf cover of Thin Lizzy. <laughs> um, yeah. Last thing I want to end on with Star Wars because I forgot to talk about it during Attack of the Clones. Totally did not remember the whole fucking. They go back and see Watto, and Watto's like, yeah, I sold your mom to some guy that married her. <laughs> yeah, dude. The origin of his fucking aunt. Was like, I don't know, man. It's, it's kind of fucked up. Him going up and Watto just looking like a decrepit piece of shit was really funny to me. In the uh, that time's been tough on me, young Jedi. <laughs> How Same about a spare nickel to help out a fellow man who's down as luck? <laughs> God, it's so cool that Qui-Gon Jinn, our hero, just goes and cheats Watto out of his voice. Like, <laughs> fuck, am I gonna rewatch the prequels? God damn no, it! Come eh. on, you have better. Things I have so much things. left. Alone. No, I can't do this. No, I mean, like I said, they're all bad. I don't enjoy most of each individual movie, but if I'm ever in a room and they're on. I'm watching them. Like that time on May the 4th when someone decided of all movies to requisition Revenge of the Sith and I just sat there for like 45 minutes watching it. <laughs> can't help myself. I'm it's American creepy. tradition right there. Um, I, think, I think that's all I've got this week other than uh, congratulations George Lucas. Your Iraq war takes held up over time. Hell Pat yeah, back, buddy. Oh. <laughs> the fucking politics of these movies are so goddamn funny. <laughs> there you are. Good for him. <laughs> Good for him for making Ewoks the Viet Cong. George Just, Lucas owns. He always has. Every time somebody yells at somebody else about protecting democracy in the space movie for babies. <laughs> Just like, thank you, George Sorkin. I appreciate this. Sort of being like 10 years old and be like, well, they're in the Senate again. I guess I'll go grab a snack. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. What this is, Mom. Like, even as a kid, like, I bought the fucking DVD to attack the clones, and, like, the second time through, I'm like, we should skip these scenes. This is boring. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's see here. Jinkies. I actually don't have very much, because it just never stopped working. I will say, uh, one of my friends, my good friend Mac, has been bugging me to watch The Art of Self-Defense for what feels like a year. He told me to watch it, too. It is incredibly good. Let me put it to you this way. It is a comedy starring Jesse Eisenberg, and it is still a strong recommend. Oh, okay. (laughs) That takes a lot from me. So he's just this fucking dweeb who gets mugged one day, and he decides to roll into a dojo to learn to protect himself. And the guy running it is like a real, like, 
dead-eyed, stone-cold, straight-faced Rex Quando kind of dude. <laughs> Thank you. And his performance is so good because he says borderline insane shit with the most sincere, deathly serious delivery every line. He is he fucking sells the movie. And it's weird because it's a comedy, but like I don't want to spoil it, but things just slowly unravel more and more as the movie goes along. It gets real fucking dark real quick. That's what I heard. It's, it it's is, like a dark comedy. It is incredibly good. Like It's very like... I want to say awkward, but... When you hear awkward and Jesse Eisenberg, it's not the awkward I mean. Right. Like, it's yeah, not that yeah. kind of awkward. More like a PTA kind of awkward. And then it just keeps unraveling and getting darker and darker. And next thing you know, Sensei's recruiting him to his night class and they're going out on bikes to mug... It's... There's a lot going on. It is incredibly good. I recommend it to everyone. But I took the wrong lesson, which is I really miss taking karate classes as a kid. All I want to do is go break some fucking boards, you guys. I miss it so much. But yeah, uh, very surprising because he is fucking... I see him in a movie and it's an immediate power down. Hey, what else is on, guys? But uh, it's really good. Let's see here. I also watch 101 Dalmatians, which I'm sure will come up later. Yeah. You know, I've watched, got a couple things here. I mentioned this to you, Chris. Uh, so I watched an anime film that was put on for me called Promare. I did not know anything about it. And uh, I'll just go ahead and say, I was absolutely just shit-faced by this point. So I don't remember the plot. But it is very pretty to look at. I saw, like, I think the poster uh, or a screenshot, I was like, this looks fucking awesome. I had a chance to go see it at the Alamo, but I couldn't go. I don't remember why. I didn't watch Gurren Lagan or however the fuck you pronounce it, but I was dangerously online, so I'm incredibly, like, aware of what it is and what it looks like. And it's the same guy behind that, and this whole movie is just two hours of just looking incredible and incredibly stylish nonstop. I was blitzed out of my mind. And normally when I just get absolutely toasted and turn something on in the background, I won't mention it on here because, again, autism. It doesn't technically count. But, like, even without knowing what's happening, I was just staring at the screen, like, barely aware of what room I was in. Just absolutely absorbed in the visuals. So, uh, I'll be giving that a rewatch and giving it an actual <laughs> fair shake. But, uh, even then, a strong recommend just for the loud noises and cool soundtrack and the pretty colors. Very good movie. So, Chris, you know, we talk a little bit about, like, how to grow this podcast, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like the only way for a white guy to really make it in the podcasting world is to pretend to be a large black woman. <laughs> the wheel. The wheel hurt me this week. I meant to watch more assigned movies. Unfortunately, the first one I watched was Loquisha, so that was the only assigned movie I watched this week, because it took me three tries to get through. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. Honest to God, man. I fucking... The worst part about it, besides, you know, the premise... Everything about the main character, just how fucking... The Adam Carolla smugness radiating off this dude is... in. in mm. 
So, uh, let me just summarize here. I wrote down a quote of his word for word when he's talking about, you know, because he's a bartender who gives advice to people. And he says to someone in a quote, I might just be a lowly barkeep, but I gotta be me. And that really summarizes everything for me. <laughs> Parker, it's important to I be yourself. I hate... <laughs> I hate this movie. I hate this movie so much. He's so smug with the shittiest dyed black hair. Don't know who he thinks he's fooling with that. I don't know. It kind of sounds like you're virtue signaling right now. Correct. <laughs> like, the worst part of the movie by far is... The premise. It's the worst fake black voice I've ever heard in my life. Also, that... It's holy shit. It's such a shitty impression. It's the worst. And you have to watch him do it. Okay, you have to everyone, watch him contort everyone. his face on, to go... Ah, for like uh, Everyone, on three, do your best black woman voice. Okay, one, two, three. I'm a black woman. <laughs> <laughs> like... There's so much you have to just take for granted. Like, yes, of course, this black woman who tells it like it is on an overnight advice show would become a global sensation immediately and become the hottest thing in the world of radio. Like, yeah, whatever, sure. But just the nerve to just, like, cut to him sitting in the studio going, Oh, you need to do this! And then just cutting to a black woman in her car going, You go, girl! Is the <laughs> so fucking insulting. <laughs> I fucking love how much she sounds like Pierre Escargo. Yes! It's horrific! It doesn't sound like a black person nor a woman. It sounds like someone in the middle of telling a racist joke. And it becomes a global sensation. Because you know what the thing about Loquisha is? She's just so real, dude. Like She's so honest with her advice. See, one of the things that kind of gets me about this movie is they have an actual black woman in the movie... Yeah, is like imagine the, I fucking shocked, dude. Yeah, well, that's the thing is like she's in the movie and she portrays Loquisha when she goes out for like media appearances. You know, don't she just hate saying it? it yeah, I do. But it kind of made me feel really, really bad for that actress. Like, imagine you go to like acting school and you're like, no, this will be my big chance to make it in the world. You don't go to like. Let's call it what it is, real school, and get a degree and something that you can use to build a career. You know, like, no, I'm, I know it's a long odds and it's a hard gamble, but I really want to be an actress. I've always wanted to be an actress. I'm going to go to Hollywood, you know, I'll get a job as a waitress, and I'm, I'm going to work really hard. I'll take whatever role they give me. This is what you get. And it makes me feel like this is kind of like a porno, you know? This is like, I feel so bad for that spot. actress. You're just, like, forced into this role. You can't get your money any other way besides being... Loquisha. And she's somehow, like, the best performer in the entire movie by a significant margin. Because at least she has a personality. This dude is just the smuggest know-it-all of, like, uh, he's, I'm just a lowly bartender, let me give you life-changing advice. And everyone around him is like, oh my god, dude, you're a fucking genius, dude. Why don't you go on the radio? Oh no, I'm just a lowly bartender. He, oh. <laughs> That's the thing is, like, God, this there's... guy behind it, I think the lead actor was also the writer, right? Yeah, so This is you all think? his brainchild, and, like, can you imagine being a regular listener to the... Does he have a radio show, or is he just a stand-up? I think he's just a stand-up comedian. 
I think he's if you assign me any of that. I think I'm not he's, doing I think it, he's I like one of those stand up comedians who has a Netflix special with like the caution tape around his mouth. Try censoring him now. No so he's a stand up comedian. Got it. Yeah. Millennial well, comedian. Yeah. Loquisha Ninen. Uh, <laughs> another line that I wrote down, which is indicative of the entire movie, just to get this main character's vibe. Uh, he's hanging out with this woman and just giving her a lot of advice, you know, because he's just a bartender. He's just there to serve you drinks, but also to serve you. And he gives this woman a relationship advice, and he goes, oh, another drink? And she goes, why, you trying to get me drunk? And he says, no, I'm trying to sober you up. And I wanted... (laughs) That was the first time I turned the movie off, Chris. (laughs) Because, you know what? I don't... I don't need this in my life, man. I really don't. And the fucking nerve. Because, like, obviously, you know, this movie, like, okay, eventually he's going to get found out because otherwise it's not a movie. And he gets to the end and decides, like, you know what? It's the hottest show on the fucking planet. Everyone loves it. I'm going to come clean. I'm going to tell everyone. And then, you know, whatever happens, happens. Cut to the next scene, him just going... Well, that's the truth, everybody. Like, are you fucking joking? <laughs> well, you didn't see you don't the... even get the one scene of the movie that would matter. He's like, yep, and that's the whole story. Uh, tell me if you want the show to continue. Bye. <laughs> it's... Wow, that I is a funny story. So none in and everything. I do like the very end of the movie. <laughs> the end of the movie, which is him going... Uh, and now it's time for the Loquisha Hour, and he code switches on air to Loquisha. He sure does. And then slam cutting those fucking Comic Sans credits. Thanks. Thanks for nothing, movie. Yeah. So, Parker, do you remember why Absolutely I watched rich. this of my own volition? So, I don't... I honestly don't. Me neither. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's all I was going through my head is like, he watched this on his own and talked about it, like... Was he trying I, to pull one over on us by watching it first? I think I saw the poster. I was like, well, how bad could it be? Put it on. And then it just starts with like a production company that isn't real written in comic scenes. You're like, oh, shit, I fucked up. The nerve of this also to be like a over 90 minutes is insane. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. It's a full-ass movie. I was livid. And I had to watch it on Tubi, because of course I couldn't download it, because who would upload this? I had to watch this motherfucker with commercials. I am <laughs> livid. <laughs> I am so fucking over this. You're just trying to cancel this movie. Someone's got to. <laughs> he, cancel he, culture. The internet co- doesn't want you to see. He won't be silenced. <laughs> it's... I can't even do justice to how shitty his black voice is. Like, yeah, it's your black voice is a little too good. <laughs> it's you cannot do a worse one on purpose. It's horrendous, the, and that's the crux of the entire movie. Also, his one friend that goes along with the whole thing is a black dude. He's like, I don't know about this, but you're a hit, and you're like, great. <laughs> I you, brought, about that. you literally brought your token black friend to the movie to be like. Hey, I don't know, man. Loquisha just keeps it real. <laughs> Actually, you know, the worst part about the movie is his face when he does the black voice. I'm going to turn to my camera real quick. His oh, face, God. when he does the black voice, he always goes, Well, I'm just saying to you. And he does this bizarre fucking thing. <laughs> I don't know why he so does it. It's so brutal. 
I had to look away when he did it. It made me so uncomfortable. <laughs> you can tell he practiced this in front of the mirror. It's just like, oh, that's the best I got. <laughs> well, if Lokoisha was here, it would sound a little something like this. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Did you like to see what Lokoisha talk the jumper off the bridge? <laughs> I wanted to ask that while I could still see your face. <laughs> Forgot about that. <sighs> and like, literally every racist Howard Stern bit from the early 90s is less racist than his black impression. Yes. <laughs> just, oh, honey, here's what you gotta do. It's, it's so fucking brutal, dude. He will Took me sense. three tries. <laughs> Take the caution tape off his mouth. This man's speaking truth to power. <laughs> Thanks, dude. First Appreciate it. Google it. I don't know why I watched this first, but, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah that's all I've got for this week. Because, like I said, uh, man, it took three tries to get to this ate up a lot of time. <laughs> Let's talk about 101 Dalmatians, the 1961 version. So, I don't have voice mods, so I can't play the dun 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 song, but I've never seen the Glenn Close version from 1996. Uh, I, I don't know, it doesn't really look that appealing to me, but I do remember that the 1961 version was supposed to be very big for Walt Disney. It may have saved the company's animation uh, studio because they were focusing more on live action in the theme park and stuff like that. They thought, eh, we don't really need any more of those animated movies, but... 101 Dalmatians was a huge hit, and uh, people liked it, so it's one of those ones that's very iconic when we talk about Disney movies, sort of like Cinderella. I think this is a lot better than Cinderella, though. One of the things that really stands out about this movie to me is just how well animated it is, especially with regards to the faces. So, Parker, remember... Uh, I don't remember what the woman's name is, but Roger and uh, the woman, their faces look so good, they're so expressive, and it contrasts so strongly with Earwig and the Witch, where I can't tell what the characters are thinking or feeling. Uh, you know, the other faces that look really good are the dogs. The dogs' faces look so good. And it sort of reinforces just how good Disney animators were compared to everyone else in the field at the time. Like, no one was even coming close. I will say that the movie's very short. It's under 80 minutes, so you're in and you're out. It kind of feels... Yeah, we should have watched that instead. Yeah, huh? yeah probably. Uh, <laughs> it kind of feels like a, almost like an extended Looney Tunes episode. It's got also very scratchy animation, which you would see uh, crop up in uh, The Sword in the Stone. What else came after this? Jungle Book. Even You even see it in The Rescuers uh, 16 years down the road. I like it. It's a good movie. It, it doesn't do a tremendous amount for me, but uh, there's enough to recommend it to anyone. It's like, if you haven't seen this movie, like, come on, you know, take the plunge. You should watch it. I will say, though, let's talk about Cruella DeVille, who is barely in this movie. She gets less screen time than a cat. <laughs> it, I'm dead yeah, serious. I better than the new one. <laughs> How much of this movie was just a bunch of dogs trying to escape? two bumbling assholes that's like 80 yeah, percent of, of this movie. movie is non-dogs it's mostly that like horse and that cat who do everything and like a goose is in this for some reason and it's like oh yeah we should have dogs in this uh i will say that the dogs are well acted i really like the voices so uh a lot of hard work went into this again Corell's barely in this movie but 
we should talk about her because she's one of those very iconic Disney villains. She's more well known than uh, who's the, the 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 evil stepmother from Cinderella. I don't even know if that woman had a name, but everyone knows Cruella Deville, and not because there was a somewhat catchy song in this movie, but just she's evil. I mean, she's like the most evil character you could possibly conceive of. Her name is Cruella. Deville. She wants to skin puppies to make a fur coat. That's like the most evil character you can imagine. And they turn her. Where in... she got that name from? Yeah, and then they. Well, we'll get Chris to that. Signs. We'll get to that. And <laughs> anyway, uh, Disney is like, no, no, no. She's actually like Shadow the Hedgehog. She's misunderstood. She's the antihero. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a really good comparison. <laughs> and. Uh, uh, the other thing about it is this sort of reminds me, I, we don't actually have to go into this, but I remember I saw Maleficent in theaters on a... Di- just the first one? Yeah, just the first one. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my sure. God, he admitted! I <laughs> <laughs> oh, got to see my face to that and everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure did. Yeah, on a day. <laughs> it wasn't going to betray yeah. you on that one. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know if you guys saw Maleficent, but... In Maleficent, I guess I'll get into it when we talk more about Cruella, but... Guess you'll have to find out in Liar's Hell, yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah, Maleficent, <laughs> they sort of turned her into more of an anti-hero than, a, than an out-and-out villain. Because I don't fucking know. Uh, that's just what they do. But anyway, time passed. Things started to change. 101 Dalmatians with Glenn Close came out. Someone must have seen it. I don't know. Not me. Then 102 Dalmatians, Lucky's London Adventure came out. I'm just happy they went with that naming scheme, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. I've seen it. I I know that I've seen it. Why don't you look at the camera, Chris? (laughs) (laughs) I know that I've seen 102 Dalmatians because we saw it with family on Christmas or some shit, and we got there late, so we had to sit in the very fucking front row. And it's the only time I've ever had to do that, other than when I saw Twilight, and I will never do it again. I just realized there's like, oh yeah, by the way, that kills your neck. Uh, it yeah. hurts six-year-old yeah. me, dude. Turns out there's two 102 Dalmatians. There's a live-action one, which is, a, I guess, the one that you saw. And Lucky's London Adventure is, like, direct-to-DVD. So, we'll make Josh watch it. Anyway, uh, yeah, then they're like, oh, you know who we can dredge up from the past for our live-action Disney movies? How about Cruella? And, Parker, I think you described this to me years ago. This is, like, before the pandemic. Uh, you're like, yeah, she's an 80s punk riot girl with a zine or something like that. I'm like, that's not real. Can't... I did not describe it. The press release <laughs> yeah. described her that Anyway, way. Uh, not quite 80s. I think I think they described it as 70s, but it has to be 80s based on the age of the character Look, versus man, 1964. Pre-pandemic is right. Because I just assumed like, oh, this is one of those movies that's just never going to get made now. Because movies aren't being made. And then imagine my fucking surprise when that trailer dropped. I'm like... Oh, this is real, and it's around the corner, and we have to watch it now. Yeah, that was... Because uh... they've announced like 40 of these live-action movies. They announced a live-action Little Mermaid like three years ago. That's never oh, happening. God. No, that's coming, and she's going to be black. Anyway. Yeah, that's literally next, isn't it? No, wait, there's... I don't know. Anyway. Uh... I don't want to find out, I'm going to be honest with you. So, this movie... You will. This movie stars Emma Stone, who I actually like. I don't know, do you guys have any strong feelings about Emma Stone? I was baffled when I I saw she was in this. Because, like, even if you don't like her, she makes really good choices. And then this happened. Uh, You know, you say really good choices, she must have been paid a lot for this. Take a, like, a percentage of the I just get to wear, like, 20 silly costumes, play to the cheap seats, and then get residuals forever. 
Oh no, I guess yeah. I'll take this dog shit script. Oh no. <laughs> Terrible. That's, that's probably what's going on. Yeah. Also, this is directed by the guy who made I, Tanya. I fucking love I, Tanya. <laughs> yeah, I, Tanya's pretty good. Yeah, well, then this movie. What happened? Oh, something. Also, some point? actress plays the Baroness. Who cares? She's probably not important. Um, anyway, let's uh, talk about that. I'll pull up my notes here. Um... <laughs> The first note that I see, the first note that I see is a line that I wrote down verbatim, which is, oh no, we're starting here? Which is exactly my feeling when this movie begins with her birth. <sighs> God. <laughs> God. Do we really need it. this? This is like what we have I, to show? <laughs> this might be, like, I think I've mentioned it before, like, I avoided all trailers for this. I just never ended up seeing them in front of any movies I saw. This is the fastest I've ever turned on a movie and been like, oh, fuck, this isn't for me, huh? I am not the target <laughs> audience for this whatsoever. <laughs> Oops. Oh, my yeah. God. The so second we right see off... that stupid-ass hair. My God. Oh, that too. Yeah, that stupid-looking wig. <laughs> barely fits on her head. Oh, man. See, I don't think this was written by the guy who did I, Tanya. And I'm not going to look it up either because I don't feel like it. But I always, I, I have to admit, going into it, it's like, oh, come on, he made Itanya. Like, no way could this be his fault. It must be the writer. This is a stupid idea. It must be the committee. But this movie is very poorly directed. You know, it's a director's thing to look through the camera lens and be like, hey, her wig doesn't fit. It looks really stupid. We need to do something about this. He doesn't do anything about it. I'm not trying to, like, harp on the wig. It's just, this is a sign of things to come, you know? Uh, also, he should know, like, you ever see Blade Runner, and you ever hear the version with Harrison Ford given that really awful voiceover narration, where he talks like this the whole movie? That's Emma Stone in this one, except with a Cockney accent. It's so terrible. Look, I take a backseat to no one when it comes to hating on adult Disney fans if you can call them that, but even adult Disney fans aren't that stupid. They don't need Emma Stone explaining every single thing that happens in the movie. And that's what she does in Well, this. You, you see, adult Disney fans are now also adult Star Wars fans, so actually they do. Oh, okay. Well, alright. I'll take you that one. Uh, anyway, Emma Stone... The Sto Dalmatian Wayfinder. <laughs> take all the wind Poor out of my sails. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Thank you. Uh... So, her name isn't actually Cruella, it's Estella, um, which I think is a worse name than Cruella. I think I'd, I'd rather name my dog Cruella than Estella. Anyway, uh, she has black and white hair, and she goes to a school, and she is oppressed because of her black and white hair. Also because she's a huge bitch. And uh, also, boys are mean, and she's very mad that boys are mean, and people are picking on her because yeah, her hair is different. their fault she sucks. Something yeah, like that. <laughs> uh, she's actually, the reason she's mean is she has an alternate personality that she calls Cruella. And she flits back and forth between these two alternate personalities. You think, oh, Chris is making up bullshit again for the podcast. No, no, no. This is real. This is what they're actually doing. They're trying to make this into a movie. This is really stupid. Now, I'm not the first person to comment on how stupid this is. I will say, I can see it working in maybe a different movie, you know? Something completely different has nothing to do with this because we have an established character. We don't really need to fuck around with it. But, uh, you know, 
maybe it is like the Joker, you know, where that's an established character and you can like, oh, what if his story was told like this? What if Cruella was like this? But it's so fucking boring and they barely address it too. Cruella, the alternate personality, is barely there. It's really just like, now I'm acting more like this. It's not even like a different character. It's something that was in her the entire time. Anyway, uh, I am woman, hear me roar, she says as she gets dragged to the principal's office. And she actually bellows <laughs> like a little girl. How many Yas Queen moments were in this fucking movie? God, I oh fucking God. hate this movie so much. <laughs> you know, I thought it would be funny to be like, I'm going to write down all the needle drops. And then I they tried. kept happening. It was I like, alright, I'm going to pull up a list. And I found the page that says, <laughs> ranking all of the music from Cruella. And, it, you know, it starts, you know, from the end up to number one. And I went to the first one and it said 30. And I just closed the tab. Like, I cannot fucking do this. It's insane. That's that's the thing, Alex. I don't know if you saw this. I went on Sig and it has the score for Cruella and the soundtrack for Cruella. The score for Cruella is like 30 minutes. <laughs> How did they manage to fit that much score there in must there? must have been deleted tracks or something like that. Maybe the mid-credits. Oh, good. There's a director's cut. What? No, not funny. Shut no, your mouth. Not, you can't, the version, no, can't make up. The version that he wanted you to no, see. No, no. See, Chris, you I, hate no, studio no, interference, I, no, so it's probably I'm way not better. I'm going to watch it now. Okay, so, yeah, just Chris hates it, not me. Exactly. So, <laughs> so this movie's so long. So, oh my god. So Cruella gets kicked out of private school for I don't know, and they have to go to Yieldy London Town uh, to beg for some money at some sort of 1964 soiree. Now she specifically says 1964. I'm like, okay, put myself in the mood. 1964 and they open up the doors to the soiree and everyone's wearing powdered wigs and i'm like wait what hold up is this like one of those like the, the opening of rise of cobra where it's like france 1761 and i just like <laughs> forgot what's going on <laughs> powdered wigs I'm really Stella, and this is my mom destro <laughs> don't worry <laughs> yeah she, anyway she's sitting in the car and her mom tells her now don't go inside and like a second later she walks out i will say if I'm going to say anything positive about this, there are some editing choices that I do like because they're very short and very sharp and I can get a little bit of humor from there because it's very percussive. There's very much a slapstick sort of way to the editing and I'm into it, but it doesn't really give it enough time to, to breathe or, or for us to reflect. She's just immediately talking over where the audience would be laughing. We have to stifle our laughter because we have to know how this really good plot's going to go. So she's walking into this soiree, and it's uh, really great. Oh, look, there's Johnny Sims in a tuxedo, and uh, he's looking at her. He has this weird look at her. I'm like, oh, no, was he going to be a pedophile or something? Please, Disney, don't do this. Anyway, she makes a mess of everyone's pots and pans. The Dalmatians chase after her. She jumps, hides in front of a bush. And Why do they look like that? The Why Dalmatians. Do like that? Why do they look really, like that? Okay, we have to talk about the Dalmatians. The Dalmatians look fucking terrible. <laughs> Why do they look so ghoulish? Why do they all look just, so charge our beast? Just cast a real dog, man. <laughs> it's not hard. You shouldn't be that. Yeah. Like, you, you don't need your fucking dog in this kids movie to emote at the camera. The, you can just put a real dog that doesn't look like a horror. Yeah, you can it's get a fine. dog to snarl. Just hold up a picture of a baby or something. You got it. It's not that fucking hard. <laughs> Every dog looks worse than Sebulba. I don't understand. <laughs> they're, they're, you can see like their bellies are moving like they're going to transform into the thing. 
Anyway, so they break free of their chains and chase after her, and I'm not kidding when I say this. This is the part where everyone on the internet is making fun of this movie for good reason. Dalmatians kill Cruella's mother. And, uh... I am so happy I avoided spoilers. It took everything not to click those links, and I... Rich Evans laughed until I almost passed out on my couch. Now, when we say that Dalmatians kill Cruella's mother, which is fun to say... (laughs) It's not like they maul her, like like pit bulls would a child. No, they knock her off a cliff. <laughs> like it's a fucking Count of Monte Cristo or something. She falls, and the Baroness is like, oh, that woman was demanding money from me. And we're just like, oh, she's a bad guy. And the movie's like trying to play really coy, like, oh, who's that mystery woman? Who's that wacky guy? And, <laughs> and it's like, no, Dude. we know, though. Come on. <laughs> what are we doing? Fucking, like, being the only one of us that saw this in a theater, and also, I guess, the only person what? who wasn't a parent or, like, a 12-year-old that was watching this movie, the only other time in my life that I've had to work so hard to have people not hear me cackling <laughs> is the fucking nasty woman line in Jurassic <laughs> World 2. <laughs> like, I was a hyperventilating <laughs> trying to keep other people from hearing me. Okay, so... As I'm just going, no fucking way, under my breath, over and over oh, we, we, and over. I, I forgot to mention, the song that plays here, the needle drop that plays here, you guys are not going to believe this. It's a cover of a Grand Funk Railroad song. <laughs> My favorite punk artist. I, I couldn't stop laughing. It's not even one of their hits. <laughs> I just hear it's like, what the fuck? Is this real? My dad and I both love Grand Funk Railroad. If my dad heard this, he'd be apoplectic, alright? He'd be fucking stupid. Teamed. I might have to watch this one and get this reaction to record it. So, uh... Invite me, please. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Anyway, yeah, so she... How did she get to London again? Was she just run away? She, yeah. She gets, oh, no, Don't she jumps on, like, the back of a truck or something like that. And goes she's away. in the garbage truck, yeah, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, some, something? something like where she belongs. Yeah. Yeah, oh, anyway, gosh. so she's over there, and she's laying in a pond, or just she's laying in a fountain, and two... British kids come up with Cockney accents. They're like, hey, uh, I'm the Artful Dodger, and this is my fat friend. Would you like to join our merry gang? And she's like, okay. And there's a. It's me, Goyle, and this is my right hand man, Crab. They play this fucking. <laughs> they play this song, okay? During this chase scene, like an English Bobby comes up and he's like, what's going on there? And I'm, <laughs> she, they run away. I, I'm sorry, I said that. I might cut this. I said that, remember in the Uncle Fucker section of the South Park uh, movie? Yes, of course, I know that's what you're going <laughs> no, for. So that's why I laughed at goodness. it. Yes. Because <laughs> that's like, what's going on here? What's it's, going on it's here? It's right after, like, they, they're, like, laughing high-pitched, and they they launch the loudest fart they possibly can right in the face. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> that's the way he says it. What's going on here? He's chasing after them, and they're playing this song, and I didn't recognize this song. This song fucking sucks. And there's no tension in the chase. I don't know why they're playing the song. And this is where the needle drops really started to bother me. Because I'm like, they can't do this the entire movie, right? Little did I know the plans they had in store for me. It's it's so aggressive that I like started thinking about what the funniest songs would be to play over each of these scenes. <laughs> Just like, like I'm just imagining like this fucking these kids getting chased, like stuck in the middle with you or something. As I'm watching this movie, like, oh man, she t- she burns off her dress and starts playing "Goodbye Horses." 
Uh, <laughs> man, I couldn't stand. Them. Yeah, and then some stuff happens later, and they play car wash. That'd be really. <laughs> oh fun, my you know? god! Okay, we'll get to car wash. In a so what really? I, I don't know what the worst part of this movie is for me because I think I said for Army of the Dead that the worst part was the cinematography, just the way it looks is really blurry and shit. In this, it's either the copious amount of needle drops and by the way the soundtrack is not good everyone's been saying yeah it rocks no it's just familiar songs used poorly and most of them aren't even good but the other thing that's really bad is the fucking voiceover narration it never fucking ends it's terrible and it's so it explains everything that you can already see and it's so cringeworthy the dialogue I just wanted Emma Stone to stop talking, and I've never said that before, because even when she's in a bad movie, like The House Bunny, she's still pretty good in it. Not this. It's got the exact same energy as Bridget Jones' Diary in all of the worst ways. Yeah, I haven't, I've seen it uh, before. And the sequel. It's actually not oh, that yeah. bad. Right. It's not oh, a bad okay. movie. No, I but don't get that one. It's <laughs> like, I, I think they were like clearly trying to ape this style that like appeals to women for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why or how. Like, I, I'm not an expert on this, but I've seen it in, like, a lot of female-targeted movies like yeah. this. So, well, it, I think it's a thing. At, at some point, it starts aping The Devil Wears Prada, which we'll get into at some point, I'm sure. Uh, I want to point out a side actor who is my favorite part of the movie, and he's my favorite part in most movies I see him in. Paul Hauser. Very happy to see him again. I, I have to admit, I actually like him. I, I like him in this movie, even if he's kind of repetitive. And he just does his voice the entire time. Which kills my throat. He, I, I like him. I, I think he's, he always understands the assignment. He's really good at face acting. He's really good at voice. He's, he's the only funny part of this movie. You know, I, so I was really happy to see him. He's in there when, uh, uh, Cruella grows up. Now she's still called Estella. I'm not gonna get that right. And she's helped out by Paul Hauser. Is now the fat friend and some other guy of mixed race i want to point out that this movie takes place in london in the late 70s early 80s and there are a lot of people of color in this movie that weren't there in london i don't know what this movie's <laughs> trying to do so look including other races you know absolutely but uh don't bullshit me come on now None of these people are at yeah, these parties unless they're working the door. I've seen the people hosting these fucking parties. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. bad. It's Correct. bad stuff. Yeah. So she doesn't get a job. She is a thief. She is a master thief. And there's like a montage of her dressing up in these costumes and stealing things. Oh and there's God. like three different costumes. songs. Uh, and they oh steal stuff. And it's like petty theft. And I'm just like is this just going to be the movie? It's just her stealing stuff. She's, she's kind of like Catwoman or something like that? Uh, no, they do this I for like wish. five minutes. And uh, then they just like, no, forget it. That's not important. Don't worry about it. They sort of bring back the idea that like, I think they're trying to turn this into a heist movie. And you know the thing about heist movies is there's like one big job. And it's like, oh, that's a focus they have to plan and they have to get over there and do it. They change plans, like, constantly. It's like, oh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go after this. What's the angle? You know, they, they're constantly changing stuff. And uh, there's really no focus there. And I, I think that kind of pissed me off. And at one point, the the main helper guy whose name I don't even remember, I have to admit, uh, is just like, oi. Goyle. No. <laughs> it says, uh, we're, we're going to let you go. You can go to... Uh, 
put fashion school or something. He has to, she has to work in the fashion industry. He's like, we're going, boy, yeah, you can go. Go on your own. And Paul Hauser rightly asks, hey, what's the angle? What's uh, What do we get out of this? He's like, nope, just going to let it go. No reason. She, they just let her go. There's really no explanation. She's actually really helpful to their squad. She seems like she's the one who's planning a lot of this. She makes the costumes. She's, you know, a great distraction. She's a great getaway driver. She does everything. And they're just like, no, we don't need you anymore. Go, uh, go uh, work for a living. It's, Which, well, you won't make as much money, but, you know, you're following your dreams. No reason. There's not even, like, a romantic uh, interest in him doing this, like, oh, because I, I believe in you. I like you so much. There's nothing here. It's kind of like when you originally decide to go rob a vault in Las Vegas, and then you decide instead to just take back the head of the zombie queen, and then there's two more hours <laughs> of movie left. Oh, right. Yeah. Also that. Uh, so, as I'm watching this, I realize that there's going to be a lot of emphasis on, I guess you would call it high fashion. These super fancy dresses and stuff that, I have to admit, I, I don't really understand. You guys have your camera on. This is pretty much the way I dress all the time. Uh, I don't wear a tie unless I'm paid to. But, you know, some people go for this. When I say some people, I mean women, who I respect. And I... Same. Yes. But I kind of feel like the emphasis on high fashion is a little funny when you consider that the people who claim to like this movie are wearing t-shirts that barely stretch over their ponderous guts. Like, come on. No one is wearing any of these dresses. No one's even interested in these dresses. They like to pretend that they are. They like to see very pretty people wearing these dresses, but no one's buying this stuff. You're buying that goofy t-shirt that that's, like, really thin material and stretches out in the wash and fades after a couple of years. You have to buy another one. <laughs> I met the main character of the goofy movie, so. Oh, I love wearing Max's dead oh, t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> 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 We're gonna start calling him that now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> correct. Oh man, yeah. It I, it just feels you know, a little hypocritical. For everything you said, yeah. I enjoyed the first half of this movie for what it was. Because at the end of the day, no matter how bad a script is, I will always enjoy watching actors just eat a big old ham sandwich on screen, just really oh, going yeah. for it, playing to the cheap seats. And it's not until she gets fully jokerized that I completely fall off a hundred thousand percent. Because like this yeah, movie isn't fair. for oh, me, yeah. but like it, my god, it, yeah. it is hammed up, and that will that'll always do something for me. Yeah. Both Emma's well, are clearly having a wonderful time with this dog shit script, and good for them. Oh yeah. Now I'd like to talk about uh, my next two notes here, which I'll read to you. Uh, the first one says, "Needle drop should be illegal." And the next one says, mm -hmm. in all caps, I hate these fucking songs. So I think there were two separate <laughs> songs here that I didn't bother to label which one was which, but I was so sick of them. Mm. Oh, that's weird. The third one, it must have been a third song in a row, which was, they play, these boots were made for walking. That's which I was is, about to say oh that one God, exactly. Yeah. That is the most Because all I can think one. about is fucking fembots from Austin Powers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 See, here's what gets me about that song is, Parker, you've often said that some of the needle drops are too on the nose. I wouldn't even call this one on the nose. She's not wearing boots during the scene. She's just wearing high heels. <laughs> so she's working at this it's... store, I guess. It's like Brooke's sister's. And uh, she, she would love <laughs> to be selling dresses and designing them and 
doing something, but she has to wash the floors and do the work that no one wants to do. That's for the ethnics. I shouldn't have to do this. Anyway, one day she gets drunk and she scrawls all over and she redesigns a dress with a bunch of <laughs> newspapers in it and she's going to get fired. <laughs> she just fucking writes a ha 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 all over the window, dude. It's so stupid. You imagine she wrote damage on there? <laughs> Might as well have, honestly. When I laugh online, I put ha ha so people know. <laughs> Alright, so uh, she doesn't so much get fired as she does get uh, picked off by a character who I think is just called the Baroness. I don't think she actually has a name besides that, right? If she does, I yeah, already it's just forgot the it. The Baroness is where I'm at with yeah. this movie. Uh, anyway, she gets taken away, uh, and we get to see far less of Paul Hauser, which I think blows. But uh, anyway, then she, for some reason, she stumbles into Ziggy Stardust's yield shop, which is a pretty much a hole. Oh this God. fucking guy. Why is why is any of this in yeah. this movie? It has talk about a character you can write out. I you know yeah. what I think that this is. I kind of feel like this is oh we're getting ready for Pride Month. Here's a character of indeterminate sexuality. Someone's got to be into no, this. You're you're overthinking oh, it. Maybe. It's every woman watching this movie wants a gay best friend. Oh, oh that's yeah, okay, it. yeah, that's, yeah, that's probably that's true. literally all but it he's is. Not, it's, hold up, he's not even like gay. He doesn't even doesn't matter. Yeah, that's, dude, okay. no, you're, I, I, you're probably it. you're right. thinking too you're hard. Probably right. Yeah, it's just I maybe I'm overthinking it because we always see this thing in Disney live action. He's like they're going to have the first gay couple in a Disney movie that they're going to cut out when like Ex- China. Except in the yeah, Chinese exactly. Movies. Yeah, they're going to have a bus drive in front. Whatever. <laughs> that's the thing is like when Cruella yeah. gets released overseas. There's going to be one of those double-decker buses that drives in front of the <laughs> shop. <laughs> no, it's just like, ah, uh, yes, this is my friend, a dress-designing robot. <laughs> one of those dress-designing robot zombies. <laughs> well, on his way to Las Vegas. So, uh, okay, so she gets hired at that Baroness's shop, and she's an over-exaggerated evil villain, and she's really mean. She's a mean boss, and Emma Stone just wants to work at designing dresses and be her personal assistant. And this is where the Devil Wears Prada comps come in. And I get it, but I have to admit, I'm not really bothered by it. Because I've seen so many, like, this is the sports underdog movie. That, like, you know what? I can have a second Devil Wears Prada. I don't mind. You know, as long as you do something interesting I don't mind. If this is, like, if you just cut the first act and the third act and the whole movie is just these two women, like, doing this stuff, like... It's this is really watchable. Oh yeah, like, that's, I was totally that's fine. That's a recommend. With all this. That's a firm recommend. I, you know, I thought it was a little the over the top. With, with, sorry, God. The the scene with them in the limousine when she's eating, and then just without looking, she just tosses her napkin and thre- and just <laughs> no look throws it out the window, and the scene ends. <laughs> Made me legitimately laugh. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a little over the top, but. I'm not looking for a Meryl Streep performance here. You know, you get what you get. That's fine. Uh, anyway, I, I just sort of want to push back on people like, yeah, it's just a rip off of The Devil Wears Prada. I'm like, well, there are worse things to rip off, you know? And I was like, yeah, I, uh, I it's, can understand it's it. Like Joker. There, there's, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> there's there's room for multiple fa- like high fashion movies. That is totally fine. Yeah, exactly. What I don't have time for is a completely soulless cover of Whole Lot of Love. By Led Zeppelin. <laughs> At least they could have played a solo cover of Black Dog, which I'm still thinking about, by the way. Yeah. Let me know, <laughs> Let me know when you watch it, buddy. 
Oh my god, that's the thing that gets me. It's like my next note in here is like they play. Here's my conspiracy theory. I could be wrong about the timing, and I'm not gonna rewatch it. But they play that cover of Whole Lot of Love, and then they immediately play Hush by Deep Purple. Oh my I, god, that's right. They that's, do play. Hush. That's the thing that gets me. Is like I'm pretty sure they're playing these songs in like 15 second clips. Now the way the fair was it the fair use act or something like that says if you play 15 seconds or less it's fair use and you can get away with it you don't have to credit it you don't have to pay for it which i have used liberally and also wrongly (laughs) but like they're just like 15 seconds piece. oh you don't even have time to identify that song now we're into hush remember that song no well we're going to play it anyway and we're like give me a second yeah by deep purple It's a bad sign when the biggest studio on the planet is like using music the same way a YouTuber trying to avoid copyright claim does. <laughs> it seems bad. So, I, anyway, yeah, she's working for the Baroness, and the Baroness reveals that oh, she's got like that necklace that uh, Corella's mother had and entrusted to her. Anyway, she got the necklace back, and she's like, "Oh, it's oh in my, my god, family. the neck!" I'm sorry. Yeah, we have I'm to so talk sorry. about it. You know, there's a major plot I point. Forgot yeah. about the necklace. Anyway. Yeah, I didn't. The Baroness basically yeah. feels, oh, I stole the, the necklace, and Crow's like, oh, I'm going to get it back. I'm going to show her. And she's like, what's a good way to do it? Oh, she rehires Paul Hauser and the other guy. And he says, finally, we got an angle. I have to admit, that running joke did a lot for me. That one was actually pretty good. Uh, he needed something to laugh yeah, at. Yeah, that's true. I have to admit, maybe I was looking for it, but also it's Paul Hauser. You know, I'm always going to laugh at him. With him, uh, not fat phobic. And uh, they're like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to do this Mission Impossible thing. We're going to sneak around. He's going to do the exterminator gag, which we've never seen in a movie before. So that's interesting. And some other guy's just going to sneak in. And I saw, when they saw all the, like, those lasers crisscrossing all over the place, I'm like, oh, what are they going to do? Some sort of thing where he sneaks it. Or she, like, undulates between the lasers and then just presses a button and turns them off. So No, Paul Wiss Anderson didn't direct this, dude. <laughs> was, Don't worry. <laughs> Better? Could you imagine no, if no. Paul Walter Hauser got chopped into 40 pieces by those lasers? <laughs> that would be fucking awesome, dude. Anyway, uh, so she has an idea. Oh, I'm going to take away attention from the Baroness. That way you guys will be able to steal back the necklace. And she does that trick that she does in the trailer where she lights her dress on fire. And, oh, she's wearing red at a party where it's all supposed to be black and white. And uh, Do you like my suit? It's midnight blue. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Oh fuck! Oh shit! <laughs> Thank you, by the way, for bringing that back. Oh, well, the midnight blue damsel. <laughs> oh <laughs> fuck! That's like my favorite joke of that whole show, by the way. Midnight blue. Oh man! Anyway, the movie ends. It's, it's up there. It's up yeah. there. <laughs> anyway, so she's like, oh. She almost turns into one of those supercilious badass action girls where she uses her cane, I don't know if she has a cane, to, like, fight off the security guards, none of which is Johnny Sins, and she's like... What the... Like, what? why is there a fight Because scene? Yas Queen, what do you hate, women? Come on. Oh, yeah, something for the boys yeah, out there. She's a strong, Am independent right? woman, Alex, okay? Maybe you should stop mansplaining the, fu- the, the fucking, like, like, yeah, you guys are eventually going to get me, but I'm going to make two of you hurt really bad. Like, yeah, congrats. I, it, it really felt know. like a heart. <laughs> this was worth it. It really felt like Josh's cousin was in this role for a second. Because <sighs> I mean, it definitely reaches a point in this movie where you're like, 
Why'd she just have her killed? Well, yeah, see... Like, the Baroness is apparently the most important person on the planet. Yeah. Just shoot this intern in the face and the movie's over. So, here's the weird thing. Well, she doesn't know it's the intern yet. She thinks this is a different person because she can't tell because she's stupid. Which... Anyway, so... Go fuck yourself. So, so Corella and the Baroness just sit down and start talking and everyone else is like, so, back to the appetizers. Everyone's just, like, talking and stuff. And that's when I realized, like, I don't think I'd have very much fun at this party. There's no video games. So what am I going to do? <laughs> Makes this grand reveal, fights off four guards, and they sit down and go, You have to tell me where your father's dress. Oh, as everyone's just. <laughs> so I'm just thinking trip. about fucking, fucking Emma Stone as the feels guy in the corner of the party. <laughs> Nobody knows that I'm Stella. <laughs> Parker, your impression this of the This music's Bar- too loud. My feet hurt. <laughs> Parker, your impression of the Baroness is better than your loquacious impression. <laughs> Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, half this movie, I wouldn't say it's good, but, like, I really like watching people just swing for the fences. Like, this is dumb as shit, but I'm going to get paychecks on this for the next 40 years. Let's fucking go. I appreciated it. Yeah. And then... I will say that this movie definitely... begins to unravel. (laughs) I will say that this movie definitely feels like one of the ones that the Sex and the City ladies would have enjoyed. uh, Which seems like a really startling damnation. Uh, Then... (laughs) (laughs) then uh is it at the party i think it's like they're leaving the party because i wrote this down and i gotta talk about this the estella slash cruella because she's sort of flitting between both uh personalities at this point realizes based on what some people are oh uh, she sees that uh the baroness has a dog whistle right and the dog whistle, she remembers, oh, the Baroness blew that dog whistle. That called over the CGI Dalmatians that killed my mom that ate the cat, that ate the rat, that lived in the house at Jackville. She's the one who killed my mother, <laughs> not me. And this realization that, oh, this whole time I thought I killed my own mother. Turns out this it's this other woman that I've been working for. And I can get my revenge on her. Smash cut to, it's a living thing! By Electric Light Orchestra. <laughs> it's one Dude, of the funniest like, transitions since Saw 4. It is like... <laughs> uh, like Imagine like having this fucking horrible thing that happened in your life that has just racked you with guilt for years and years and years. And you find out that you're not responsible. And your response is not relief, but to become the Lady Joker. Like, what the fuck? I know, that's, it's, this is not effective problem solving, okay? And I get it, it's like, oh, this whole time I thought I killed her, so I was guilty. I was like, well, you didn't really show that, you just said it. Uh, but now it's like, oh, now I know it's her. So she says to her two compatriots, the Baroness killed my mother. Which is followed by Paul Waterhouse saying, <laughs> it's just like the fucking reveal of just like oh i've been keeping cruella inside all this time you know to make my mother happy but now that i know this i can let her out it's like motherfucker you've been a criminal for this entire exactly. movie who are you trying to impress who, who exactly were you hiding this seems like this was you the entire time hey mom i know you're really proud of me i'm gonna go steal some more stuff now bye well and also, she hasn't mentioned her mother since the opening scene. Yeah, that too. We just jumped like 20 years and now her only concern is like, hope I get to make dresses one day. 
No, this is either no a mention that we got to see the director's happened. real vision. No, okay, I have to say this. <laughs> yes, you guys keep mentioning. You guys keep mentioning the Joker. I don't really feel like it's the Joker, but Parker, I'm going to rely on you, comic book expert and fan. Is there like a great? Is there like a dominatrix superhero? Because she's kind of like that. A uh, real one or like the like stripper favorite is. Yeah, Catwoman. Like <laughs> She's like Stripperella in this movie, <laughs> except she never shows even an inch of cleavage. So one star. Um, it's yeah, it's I don't know. I guess I could see the Joker comparisons, but I, I don't know. It's uh, Chris. I'll tell you what it is. It's literally that fucking scene where her entire personality changes when she's in the warehouse and she's just staring into the camera, like yelling unhinged things. It's like. Oh yeah, this is just the Joker transition from every fucking no, movie I, that like yeah. tries to save this character. I, like, that's literally what it is. It's like you, you. It's literally the he literally became the Joker. Scene. No, I like, get it. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like when I think of Joker movies, that there has to be something more to it than that. And what, yeah, like a lack of politics. That too. There was too much politics in this movie for it to be a true Joker movie. But <laughs> the thing that gets me about that I'll say. is that I don't feel that there is a strong enough difference between Estella and Cruella. I don't think that there's a tremendous difference there at all. I think the one difference is that Cruella is a little bit mean. She's not even cruel. She's just kind of rude. She doesn't say please. That's that's the difference. If that's it's becomes just a the Joker, fucking hair. She's like a power rager. Dumb as shit. Yeah, I. I like, oh my gosh, she's got the white and black hair. That means really she's like. dangerous. Anyway, white needle drop. Like, oh hey, no, hey. she's gonna tape up their limousines and stand on top of her limo. Oh, yeah, oh my god, she's well, become that, unhinged. <laughs> she before that <laughs> needle drop, they start playing at the car wash. I don't know why there is no car wash. In this is just yeah, that's <laughs> really a metaphor. Sticks. Now I've said before about like Zack Snyder with his uh, needle drop choices that I'm pretty sure he's just like listening to a song. He's just like, oh, well, uh, I can uh, put this in a movie, and I'm pretty sure the director did the same thing here, except he was just like, oh no, no, I like that song. Disney's giving me enough money, I can just buy the rights. Here you go at the car wash. Hey, we gave you some more uh, CGI. Are you gonna tighten up those dogs? No. <laughs> Thanks yeah, for the so money, she, dickheads. A, a We're buying montage. car wash this and is... Black Sabbath. Oh, we'll, we'll get to that. But, like, this is a, a big montage, for which I had no notes, where she keeps showing up the Baroness at all these soirees. There isn't, like, an epidemic of soirees. Where you're just supposed to show up in a dress and just be there. This is how I know I'll never be a, a member of high society, because if I'm going to a party, there better be snacks. That is the only reason I'm going. Uh, and Cruella always shows up in like a different, new, more exciting, more attention-grabbing dress. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's also working as an intern because that's the angle. And uh, that's, I don't hmm. know, that we just have to keep some plot B going on. Look, you, you can say what you want of that montage. I laughed really hard when the fucking dump truck full of dresses drives up and then drives away and all of the dresses that come out of the dump truck are also her dress. I, I thought that... That fucking that, killed that, for me. That, that wouldn't work. That was okay. But I, I, also, I have to admit I didn't care. But I'm also not a woman. I don't wear dresses. And I don't know which one of those is Yeah, me neither. Or, which one of those is cooler? Which one is practical? You know? There is a, there is a moment where... Um, most of these dresses are like really different and creative and like oh see her she thinks differently because she's a rebel one of the first dresses that Estella designs when she's in the employ of the Baroness is this green dress and the the Baroness comes up right I'm talking about the scene for a reason she takes like a straight razor and slashes off the sleeves and actually nicks uh, Emma Stone a little bit on the hand 
And I remember looking at it, I'm just like, well, I would never wear that. It's just too green. And maybe I just like something a little bit more practical. I'm more of a summer than a winter. So, uh, I don't know, I didn't do a whole lot. No, it's really weird that she didn't design any monster hoodies. <laughs> uh, I'm really stuck thinking about that picture where Jared Leto's at that fashion show <laughs> making the soy face. And then the next picture's him wearing it on the screen. <laughs> oh, that's the cover art for this week's episode. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> walking out the street that's the thing about those fashion shows this is why i could never be in like the fashion industry because you always see these pictures of these people like wearing these like the new fashion for this for this season or something like that you never see these dresses you never see these outfits you never see these ensembles no one wears that stuff in public i'm actually thinking about that line from that scene in the devil's advocate where she says you know what you should do you should buy this and wear it once and throw it away i'm like Oh, that's something the devil would do. So uh. <laughs> that's also why I'll never be in the fashion industry. That and because I'm fat and ugly. Yeah. But also because who so would are the wear people this who fashion? like this movie? So I uh, anyway, she's like <gasps> I said. So uh, like I said, she's being mean. She's like not saying please, and she's being rude to her two henchmen. And they say to her, "You can't talk to us like that. We're helping you." And she says, "So don't." And this is an odd part of the movie because they don't just walk out the door. There's absolutely nothing in it for them. I want to flash back to the 1961 version. The only reason the henchmen put up with Cruella and her insults is because they're going to get paid. Or so they believe. They, they're, some, they're in it for the money. That makes sense. That is a motivating factor. Here, there's no reason they're even friends with her. There's no reason they should be helping they, her out. They're not getting anything out of this. They, yeah, you're right, Chris. It's really weird that this movie that's directed at women has these simp characters. <laughs> Doesn't make sense at all. Are they even simps? Though? I'm sure they've never experienced it. I don't, I don't even... Does, does it fucking matter? They're just doing stuff like, for her. Who cares? Ten minutes later, this dude dresses up like a Ghostbuster and almost gets fucking murdered at a party, so yeah, you tell Paul, me, dude. Paul, Paul Walter Hauser isn't even into Emma Stone. All he wants to do is, yeah, I want to watch that footy on the deli. Which uh, I guess I can sort of sympathize with. But, like... I, I don't even know that there's they have no reason to help her out and I think that's one of the central failings of this movie is the, the strange motivation of these characters but uh you know maybe I just don't respect well them they're just stuff. dumb guys I mean they don't have okay. the needle drop they're gonna that. play one way or another by Blondie oh my god fuck okay. me every time I hear that in a movie I shut down same but think of the fucking Rugrats movie it's also that yes <laughs> okay well next needle drop should I stay or should I go by the clash oh, there's a punk rock song we finally got one <laughs> and uh anyway then I, I wrote this down this is a plot point Grella is showing up the Baroness at parties that Poison Ivy would have crashed <laughs> uh, oh, imagine with the big old gorilla suit dudes were there. <laughs> Better movie. He's got, like the, he's got like the top hat and the, the trench coat from uh, Batman and Robin. <laughs> Paul Walter Hauser walking in there. Oh, I can barely see out this. <laughs> All right, uh, we've disabled it. And he just fucking punches the hole in the wall and grabs the dress. No, one of the better movie. So I Tanya's got scenes that I will never forget. Uh, and this movie has the moth scene. Has scenes I've already <laughs> yeah, forgotten. Exactly. Who could ever forget the moth scene, which is immediately followed by the park concert where she covers an 
Oh my she covers an God. Iggy Pop song. Uh, oh my and she's dressed like Harley Quinn. And the Baroness looks out and says, hey, what, are, what are they doing over there? I'm going to kill Cruella. And, uh, oh, no, wait, she, she thinks, uh, cause she's wearing, like, a dress with, like, it's white and it's got spots. She's like, she killed my dogs. It's got, like, four spots on it. She's like, oh, my God, she skinned my missing dogs. Yeah. And I'm just over here, like, flipping through an imaginary script. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, wait. Did, that... I, did I miss a scene? So, plot point, obviously, in the 1961 version, that was, like, her, it was her motivation. That's what she wanted to do is skin the Dalmatian puppies. But um, in this, she says, oh, you know, those dogs would make a lovely fur coat. And everybody's like, what? You can't say that. Wow, that's evil. And she says, I was just joking. And I was like, that's oh, that's, that's good. That's fun. Literally, this character's only yeah. character trait has been yeah. retconned. The Thank other you. Thing that Thank you, movie. I will say, do you know what? Alex, now I'm on your side. She really is the Joker because she's telling jokes that aren't funny. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> My God, she has so many different backstories. Which one's the real one, Chris? You want to know how I got this coat? <laughs> you don't want to know no. how I well, got this bad. coat. Too bad. You're two hours in. <laughs> I love that the only character in this movie that has actual motivation is Paul Walter Hauser, who just loves his sweet little one-eyed dog. Dude, that and fucking I love that dog. for him so much. Yeah. I fucking. I want to pick that dog he, up. He was like Tom's Milo okay. in the mask. <laughs> That's a yeah. pull. Well, anyway. That really is. I'm proud so of you. So anyway, the Baroness tries to incinerate Cruella. And in the next scene... The- <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> this is a Disney movie. This is for children. And uh- Speaking of the Joker, it's just where he lights the money on fire. Except it's Cruella it's, and two it's dogs. It's not about the fashion. It's about sending a message. <laughs> I think this is the point that it was like I gotta pee and I paused it so saw how far in I was and how much was left it's like hey guys can we go Marvel? I can't fucking do this oh man yeah so this movie that's the fuck, that's a fucked up part she's like oh I'll just take them and give them to the police they arrest them on a trapped up charge which you could have done to Cruella at any point that really wouldn't have been also your your bodyguards have guns and she's you're yeah. li- you've literally like Admitted to your personal assistant that you've done several you, murders, she's and yet you can't figure this one out. We'll get to that. I'm sorry, I don't want to go. Well, instead, I'll just go blackmail the fucking newspaper. <laughs> she she finally became a James Bond villain. She now controls the news. With <laughs> <laughs> once again, hey, movie, get on you for trying to like be inclusive, but like, oh yes, I'm the star writer yeah. of this newspaper, a black woman in the 70s. Like, yeah, I'm yeah, sure you are. Okay, okay. yeah, sure, yeah. Sure. Hey, hey, good for you guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he did. Retconning racism. Here. I'm sure they weren't throwing just, coffee in her face. It's fine. Right. You, you don't have to make this a period I, piece. I do like, think this... No one cares when 101 Dalmatians was yeah. set. It doesn't I, I will matter. Say this was a little bit funny, though, because this is the scene where the Baroness and her two bodyguards come into this newspaper office to talk to the only black woman in London. And they, they tell, hey, you should stop writing like Cruella and write about me. Oh, that's—I don't know—and then she turns around and leaves. No one else in the newspaper room is like even bothering to turn around. No one gives a shit that apparently the most powerful woman in the world is in their office. <laughs> They—they're just like, yeah, you know, whatever. You deal with her. Okay. Uh, you know, like, the movie like is very tongue in cheek, so it's surprising that at no point someone's like, "Is that lady that designs dresses? What the? F- 
Tell her to leave. We're busy. Yeah, you could just be like, like oh, World War II's <laughs> coming. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, exactly. I don't know when the fuck this movie takes no, this place. Is, uh, this is it feels like it changes 18 it, times. Well, I mean, it has powdered wigs at one point. You could be forgiven for not knowing when it takes place. Yeah, dude, that fucking ball in the beginning, it could have taken place in the 1500s. Exactly. I, again. They mentioned, like, the Great War, and it's supposed to be a prequel. <laughs> What is the 101 Dalmatians in the 80s? Right. Oh, wait, I don't care. I actually don't care. Yeah. Don't correct me. So, I do yeah. not care. So then we get the reveal that the Baroness is her mother. Oh, my God. I was expecting a lot Give a shit. Hey, look. <laughs> Cruella Palpatine. You know what? Like, like this movie. You want to do that shit? Fine. Making the necklace the key to the fucking proof <laughs> that she's like, that is a bridge Dalmatian too far. Wayfinder, yeah, that dude. was so funny. It's for real. <laughs> like, when he this fucking leads, takes Oh, what is this the, unlock? Oh Your birth records. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Dude, I laughed good so script. fucking hard. Because it says on the birth certificate, Baroness is your mother. She's like, what's all this then? And he's like, the Baroness is your mother. Because <laughs> Why is there a record of her birth? Like, like, why would she file that paperwork if she just wanted the baby yeeted off a That's cliff? That's the thing. Like, what... <laughs> That's not how birth certificates work. They don't just spontaneously appear when you're born. So, <laughs> like we've had evil stepmothers and and shit like that in Disney movies before, but we've never had anyone like this. Okay, she's so evil and so narcissistic that when her daughter was born, she ordered her manservant Johnny Sins with hair to pick up the baby and just like throw it over them mountains. Okay. And instead, he just gives it to one of like the slave girls that they have. He's like, "Here, you take care of it." Like it's, I don't know. <laughs> hey, hey, you busy? You want this? Fucking catch it. So he catches <laughs> it, and uh, I'm going to name her Estella, isn't it? And uh, then the movie begins. So then, just tell her to go deep yeah. and hurl a baby at her. <laughs> Don't worry, we've got this. We're professional receivers. <laughs> We're paid to catch no, motherfuckers. I, I can't get over the idea that it's fucking. No, he's like Ryan Mallet. He threw the ball. He threw the baby too hard. Instead of going off the cliff, it just went into like a bullet knocked over that woman. <laughs> Same with Jared Allen, just two hands just... tossing this infant into it's her just, chest. It's the fucking gif of. Jake DeLobe throwing the football at the barn <laughs> completely missing. <laughs> Except it's just like a still shot of a cliff. <laughs> uh, it's a joke for three people. But also Jake DeLobe at the pro day just yeeting that cardboard cut out. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, okay. So shit. anyway, she rides uh, not even a motorcycle, it's just a moped. Uh, really badass riot girl punk moped to the fountain where she talks uh, to her mother and it never even does like an ultimate like God. I thought they were going to do the obvious thing where like you look into the water and you see a reflection it's like oh that's Cruella in the water you know they don't do that I can't tell if the movie would be worse if they did that fucking Harrison Ford comes out hey kid you ate a lot of bad stuff out there <laughs> anyway she has like a 15 minute soliloquy at the fountain where she says Oh I'm not Estella, isn't it? I'm Cruella, gov. And she just does that, like, in... She just starts repeating herself, kind of like Gal Gadot at the end of Wonder Woman 1984, just sort of... You could understand that? Sort of. (laughs) Uh, She just does that. So she goes up to her henchman. Remember before she told her henchman that, like, oh, I didn't kill my mother, the Baroness did. 
deploy me. Well, she says, no, wait, that was only the first twist in the movie. The second twist in the movie is that the Baroness is my mother. And the what they should have said is, fuck that got to do with me. Like, they have no reason to like her at all. They're, they have no reason to, like, be her friend. They should just walk. And instead they're like, oh, she's family, isn't it? So they just uh, go in there because she's family. She, they, she keeps saying, it's like, we have to stop her. I don't stop her from what? I don't I don't know what that means. Uh, but she, She's going to make more dresses and oh, make no. money. But she keeps saying we. And if I'm Paul Walter House, I'm like, what's all this we shit then? Like, what what do they have to what are what did they stand to gain there, there's nothing there's there's no motivation but i respect women so i'm her emotional boyfriend eyes <laughs> but anyway yeah so she says the magic word she says family and she stops them from leaving so parker much like star wars it's about family <laughs> that's what's so powerful about it <laughs> And uh, then we get another cover. This time we get a cover of a Beatles song. Uh, it's sung by Ike and Tina Turner. So uh, I like movies. I like fun. And I like songs in movies. Oh my god. This is... This, I'm just reliving this again. Like, man, this movie now, fucking Parker, sucks. I joke for two people. Remember that episode of the Nerd Crew where they asked, like, how did Harrison Ford get his boots? And they say, at the space store. Well, <laughs> in this one, they ask... I mean, how did Han Solo get his fucking yeah, name? Well, <laughs> Same yeah, scene. <laughs> in this one, they ask, how did Cruella get the surname DeVille? <laughs> this oh fucking God. scene... <laughs> I can't believe this. If this scene happened in the first ten minutes, I would have turned I, the movie this off. Is, Real smart play to put it car. at fucking an hour fifty. Could you imagine? This is how you know that Paul Walter Hauser is a joy to work with because he probably did this scene with a smile on his face. He was just like, oh, I, I don't even mind. I'm getting a paycheck. I'm just happy to be here, isn't it? And he's just like, oh, the name of this car. <laughs> what? And it just it didn't even finish the line. It just I don't even want to say it. It fucking pisses me off. So. I don't want to say yeah, it either. It, it's so it's stupid. So yeah, like gross. I'm Ray Devil. Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the thing that gets. Oh, it's a good card. It's, it's a Joker. <laughs> it's the N word. So uh, just like, <laughs> just like, uh, just like her henchmen should just leave and form the, their own like conglomerate or whatever. The Baroness's employees should also leave. Like, I get that there's this sort of understanding, like, she's paying them a lot of money, and that's why they would work for her, and it's, like, a prestigious job, something like that, but she's really mean. And, like, you could get a different job, so I would just not work for her. And, like, post on Glassdoor that she sucks to work for. You just do that. It was at this moment in the movie where I was like, wait, is she, like... Does she just go by the Baroness? Or like, is she actual royalty? Does she just make dresses? What are we? What is this? I don't understand anything. I, that's a good point. Yeah, we get to the party a, scene. Yeah. I was like, oh, actually, I don't care. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is. We get to the party she scene. She just which sends is a, a very, bunch of people a bunch of fucking wigs. Yeah. This is this is the fucking no. I am Spartacus moment of this movie. Um, it's yeah, more like I am Farticus. Got him. I'm, Got I'm, him. I'm not going to lie, though. Watching all the goons just tackle those That was really funny. Goers, that man. was funny as shit. That was great. That was surreal. Terry Tate exactly. tackles. Exactly. That, that was really good Sometimes editing. Sometimes it's about yeah. mind games. I might rewatch that. There we go. 
So him flying in from off screen and taking that woman down. I got a legitimate that was, laugh that was so well edited. That reminded me of I Tanya. The magic is still there. It's just we're working with a bad script. Also Disney. So anyway, so she, then there's like a bunch of stuff. They have the dog dress up as a rat, and Paul Walter has her has to chase after her or something like I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. Anyway. Emma Stone confronts the Baroness, who's played by a real actress whose name is not important because she's a woman. And they're on the edge of the cliff, and I, she's like, oh, can I give you a hug and not push you over the cliff? And Emma Stone's like, it's okay, as long as you don't push me over the cliff. And, you know, I had a bad experience with someone being pushed over a cliff. She's like, okay, I won't push you over the cliff. And then she says, you idiot. And she pushes her over the cliff. And her 16th century dress turns into a parachute and she lands in the water <laughs> did not realize Corella DeVille was an angel <laughs> oh fuck that's almost as good as Midnight Blue <laughs> anyway what can I say I do my best work on the bathroom floor <laughs> it, it's so shitty cause she pushes her off and then it cuts to like, oh, I told you I died. And it reveals like, oh yes, Estelle died, but Cruella's alive. And the cut to her fucking parachute coming out of that dress <laughs> is one of the most disrespectful things I've ever had a movie I, do to me. You know what I thought they were going to do? I thought they were going to do like the, remember the animated version of Alice in Wonderland where she starts falling and her dress sort of just sort of like goes out like that and she falls slower. I thought they were going to do that, you know, but they don't. Anyway, she just has a parachute. In <laughs> I don't know. I didn't fucking. It reminds me of the hang glider from Cave Dwellers, Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Yeah, it's the thing. The, the the thing it reminded me of is the scene where all of the like the random fucking red shirts get off the plane at Air Force One, and they're just like poorly CGI and like uh, uh parachuting back like back down to Earth. Like that movie came out in 1996 i shouldn't be comparing something that came out in 2021 to it and yet here we are so uh yeah anyway <laughs> next week's so episode i will say i, I will yeah, say this that at least they kind of use that dual personality thing to come to a resolution of the movie i get it i think it's stupid i think it's really cheesy but it's probably the right move in, in terms of the narrative, in terms of storytelling. At least they close this in some sort of way. Because I think I'd probably be complaining more if they didn't do this. Anyway, we go to the funeral and they play a Black Sabbath song. <laughs> For 15 seconds. They played the one with like that blues harmonica at the beginning. 15 seconds pass and then they go to a Rolling Stones song. This movie will not stop. It's like they're just trying to throw as many needle drops as possible. Who are the people really, that are interested in Cruella and also like Dad Rock? That's just two yeah. circles, man. I, I, I don't get it, man. <sighs> I, Sorry, Patrick, I, go ahead. Everyone who loves high fashion and Disney, just like, oh man, you know that black... No, not Paranoid. No, like the really slow <laughs> bluesy one. Yeah, that's my shit. I love to just blast that <laughs> on my dad's vinyl. <laughs> You know, this movie really reminds me a lot of Maleficent. I'm finally getting to this. She's not a villain anymore. She's an anti-hero. She's the Shadow the Hedgehog of the Disneyverse. And that's that's what they did in Maleficent. She's not really a villain anymore. And I'm like, okay, I get it. It's like, she's really just misunderstood. 
She wasn't misunderstood in the Disney movie, the animated one, man. She's pretty... She still kidnaps those fucking dogs. <laughs> yeah, like, they're just there. The and, like, I understand it's like, oh, we're going to make her more complex now. You know, there's something more to her. Look, you don't have to make the killing joke, okay? We don't need this depth. You have, like, here's how I became Cruella. I don't... I don't care. It's like, I don't think I want to know how she became Crow. She's just not a pleasant character. And neither is this character. This character isn't interesting enough. She's not, she's certainly not evil. She's not a villain. She's just kind of, I don't know. I don't even know what she's going to do now. So she goes to Hell House, uh, which, believe it or not, is, a <laughs> believe it or not, actually a reference to the 1961 movie uh they actually say hell in a 1961 uh disney movie i did not expect that i'm like wait she lives where and in this movie it's just like oh remember this classic location I'm like only because i just watched it like three minutes ago uh <laughs> i mean like good on them because disney people care about the yeah, lore but imagine being the person in that fucking writer's room who's just we, like guys we have to hey guys there. what if we started as Helmet. But we removed a man. And then and then it's like literally it's three fucking letters in the middle of this arch and it comes off as one piece. <laughs> just in case you yeah. don't get it. Anyway, so they 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 live up there and I think Paul Walter House says, Boy, what are we gonna do now? And she I think the movie just sort of ends. Yeah. yeah, so we have more money than God. We defeated the bad guy. We just right, on kidnap this yeah. poor guy's yeah, dogs. So. Why does she hate dogs? Why does she want to skin dogs? You get two and a half hours. Why does she hate oh. dogs? Well, Why did I watch the... this movie? Well, Smash Cuts to Credits, they play some sort of flyleaf cover of Cruella DeVille. And then... The nerve. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh my god. <laughs> A fucking mid credit scene in Cruella. Dude. And it's just her dropping off some. It is the most pointless fucking thing. Dude. So, so we saw this at the theater. Like, we're walking down as the credits start. This mid credit scene start. I pause for half a second, look up, go, nah. Okay, and if keep I can. So I have no idea what I, happens. I'd like to tell you what happens because I want you to walk me through exactly what the fuck is going on here. Uh, remember Roger, the lawyer? Uh, turns out he's yeah. Roger from the 1961 uh, 101 Of yeah. course. Nobody else on earth is yeah, named Roger. I figured that out. The, the black girl who worked for the newspaper, she's the girl who's in there and okay, so I didn't she know sends that them uh, each a Dalmatian I get, wait no I guess that doesn't have the same name she was what I, Anita I don't right? Know, something like that. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, so she sends awesome. Roger a Dalmatian named Pongo and she sends the girl a dog named uh, Dalmatian named Perdita those were the names of the Dalmatians in the original movie the implication here is that she's the Al Pacino devil and she's coordinating all this so she's going to set them up they're going to meet each other and they're going to have uh, Dalmatian babies that she can turn into fur coats which goes completely against the character that this two and a half hour movie just established and also, like, you can just breed your own dogs to also, kill yeah, the coats. Yeah, you already like, have why do you need to involve these people? <laughs> sure, they're CGI. That's okay. You can find some real ones. You have more money than God now. You can just buy 101 Dalmatians. Why are you kidnapping yeah, people's you dogs? Also... Especially people that are, like, your friends yeah, ostensibly exactly. in this movie. This is the dumbest fucking thing. This is thing. so stupid. I think I'm... 
I'm not trying to be like one of those woke school. I'm not trying to be like the guy from Loquisha, but I think the only reason they put this in here would be like, oh, look, remember that white couple? Now they're people of color because we respect you. As long as you pay money to see our movies. $30 plus the Disney Plus subscription. It's just Parker was. Right. He plays the fucking song! <laughs> <sighs> I hate it. It's. I hate it. Hey Parker, remember that song, The Dalmatian Plantation? Like... <laughs> Can you imagine if CCR covered that one? <laughs> <laughs> My dad just texted me. He's like, Chris, I heard it. Song, you up? The whole end of this movie at this house, it's this whole elaborate scheme. Like, there's no internet. Like, you just put a wig on and leave, and the movie's over. Yeah, because like literally all she does is just like put on her red wig. She's like, "Oh my god, Estella, thank God you're back." This Krilla woman's ruining my line. You're like, oh fuck! Literally, no one on the planet knows it's her. Well, this is stupid. Yeah. And then that's the last hour of the movie. Yeah, I mean, and then at the, she, at the funeral she scene, there's shoots off the edge. In the funeral scene, there's literally a moment where she's just like, "I don't know what to do now. Play a song." <laughs> for the entire I, I don't know i don't know what your guys main takeaway here is but like i guess ultimately this is maybe the least worst of the live action disney movies that i've seen mostly because it's not trying to recreate something that was beloved it was just like what if we do something different and it doesn't work but i don't know i wasn't like offended but there's a lot of really stupid shit in here and i hate using this word but it, it does kind of feel like virtue signaling at a whole lot of different points uh, to no end. Remember that Ziggy Stardust guy? Yeah, we mentioned him once. He is in the movie for like a, he does all like a whole bunch of stuff, and there's like no reason to have him in there. Yeah, He's probably just not kind in China of though. There, you know. Well, yeah, not in China. <laughs> if any of our Chinese listeners listening in, uh, I would say go see Fast Nine, but it looks like you made your decision on that one. Dude, uh, <laughs> could you imagine if there's like some dude in China who's like found our podcast and just listening <laughs> to the dumb shit we say? Oh man. <laughs> If you're out there, you're a king, and we, we respect Dude, you. So Taiwan, a premium fan, call into the show. Email pclayer at yahoo.com. Why are so, you trying to get him don't. killed, Parker? <laughs> I thought uh, it was a good bit. <laughs> it is a good bit. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. There's other stuff I just like. I, I really just like the, uh, the voiceover narration because it kind of feels infantilizing even to the adult children who like this sort of movie. Um... I, I don't like the needle drops. The needle drops are maybe the most egregious thing. They really stand out because there's so fucking many of them. And I, I'm not sure why. I think maybe it's trying to distract what's going on. It was like, oh, I recognize this song. It's like, I wish I didn't. I, I wish I didn't know this. Cause I like some of the songs that they use in here. Not anymore. I like The Clash. I used to like The Clash. And uh, that's the only punk rock song in the movie. <laughs> Man, could you imagine like, going back in a time machine and telling Joe Strummer that his music's going to be in this like multi-gorillion dollar corporation's prequel to the, the fucking animated dog movie? He, Would he just shoot himself on the spot? Can you imagine like, making this movie and seeing the way that she's dressed and not using a song by The Runaways? God, this movie was begging for Cherry Bomb and they were just like... No, let's play Black Sabbath. Let's play a cover of Grand Funk Railroad. What are we doing? <laughs> like, this like entire second half of this movie is trying hard to just have, like, a bunch of iconic scenes. 
but nothing is more iconic than the animated one, where the second those puppies are born, there's just a thunderclap, and she appears like the fucking Babadook in the doorway, like, hey, those dogs here? (laughs) (laughs) Truly one of the greatest cartoon entrances of all time. It really is. She just appears like the specter of death and a bolt of lightning, ready to murder these puppies. She's How do we get the there? Least I don't know, man. Disney villain. <laughs> Watch two and a half hours. Uh, still don't understand. Guess I'll have to wait for the sequel. This is one of those things. I'm not even sure what the takeaway is for people who claim to like this movie. I like ask, what do you like about it? People have said the soundtrack. I think they're crazy, but they like the Disney logo at the beginning. Oh, that's the yeah, answer. That's, yeah, that's actually probably the true. takeaway is thanks for the money, dummies. <laughs> can't wait to spend $300 to go on the ride twice a year <laughs> oh that's also probably it you know that's that's the main thing here I mean that's the thing about this movie this movie just feels like an advertisement and what's it advertising the Disney brand that's it this something is just that like, came out 50 years ago yeah it's not even advertising that no one's gonna go back and rewatch it besides us it, it's it, they just want to see the next disney movie it's it's self-advertising this is what they live was warning us about you know <laughs> they're just it's it's a cycle of itself it just a self-perpetuating advertising marketing machine more and more yep. disney movies and that's i don't know i think that's kind of obscene it's fucking owns that like i walked we walked into this like you know we missed most of the trailers because, you know, we're not savages. We want to sit there through all of them. I got to see the but show. still got there in time to see two Marvel trailers in front of this. Oh. So, like, yeah. Yeah. Enjoy your slop piggies, I guess. Yeah. Fucking four of them this year. Anybody anybody who does pithy religion is the opiate of the masses quotes on the internet. Like, just fucking swap in Disney. Like, yeah, that's... I, it's, yeah, that's it's, true. like... Honestly, they're the dumbest people that walk this fucking earth. Like, if you're a Disney fan, like, I actually don't respect you as a person. But I'm not even saying that to be mean. Like, just, like, fucking, like, you can do other stuff. You can watch other stuff, man. It's okay. You can live your life. You don't have to keep going back to fucking Florida three times a year. There's other shit going on in the world, man. Oh, there's man. other theme parks in Florida. Like, yeah, for the love of God, man. That are also about movies. Okay. Like, it's fine. Alex, you're going a little too hard here. We do respect the adult Disney fans who are women. And that's the tea, sis. Thank you.